1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Rotowire NFL DFS podcast for week five. I am Scott Gensta, joined today again by DVR, Derek Van Riper to uh, break down the Sunday slate for everybody. Uh, you know, across all uh, FanDuel, DraftKings, wherever you may play, we'll kind of hit everybody, hit all the games as we go along. If you could please rate or review the podcast, if you enjoy listening to us, we would greatly appreciate that. If you could leave a positive review, leave a bunch of stars, that would be fantastic. Helps a lot uh, for the podcast going forward. So, uh, we're Derek, we're in uh, we're in week five. The season's kind of flying along pretty good. Ton of offense, a lot of scoring. Uh, how you feeling so far in the football season?
2: Pretty good. I think four weeks in, you start to have a better realization of what teams are offensively, defensively. Uh, you get a few injuries, too, that, that open things up. And, you know, Atlanta probably is a good example of that, where you're just looking at that as week to week, a, a team that gets picked on. So you get to some trends that you can actually buy into a bit more. Uh, I'm coming off a week. I mentioned on last week's episode, I was at Lambo, So I played pretty light in week four and, uh, you know, probably for the best just because I didn't have a lot of opportunities to adjust my lineup at the tailgate. So all in all, uh, looking forward to getting back at it and getting a few more lineups out there here in week five.
1: Yeah, same here. I was actually down at the uh, at the Padres game on Sunday at Petco, so I played a little bit light too. And uh, I flipped on my phone and saw Mitchell Trubisky had thirty five or forty touchdowns, and I uh, decided that uh, maybe it was going to be a, a bit of a weird day in Week Four.
2: Yeah, that, that's the kind of thing that I saw that pop up on the scoreboard like at halftime, and I, I wanted, I kind of wanted to delete the DFS apps for the rest of the day, just so I wouldn't <laughs> even bother opening them because it's like you you know, if you didn't build a Trubisky lineup, you are not winning a big GPP that day. Like when something that goofy happens. To that magnitude you're done but it's kind of funny because I, I, we spent a lot of time on the the Friday XM show last week talking about you know reaction Friday where what do you do when you're you're buried because the Rams offense went off well the counter if you were facing Jared Goff apparently was to have Mitchell Trubisky going it's
1: funny I saw the score come up when I have I have Jordan Howard on two NFFC teams I'm like sweet maybe two or three touchdowns or 25 total yards and uh, no points across the board so that was uh opening up that box score was uh, was not a good time as a Jordan Howard owner
2: I know. I, I've got him in my home league. I, I liked him. I, I wanted him a few more places. I'm I'm lucky I don't have him more often. And you know, the Bears are one of two teams on bye this week. Yep. So maybe uh, they'll come back fresh and we'll see Jordan Howard to pick things up coming up in week six.
1: So before we hit uh, game by game, as we do each week, just kind of take a look at the overall slate. Um, so how do you deal? You know, we've got we got four weeks of data, like you were saying uh, pretty pretty apparent that uh, playing defense in the NFL is difficult right now. Maybe Jacksonville is the only defense that you are kind of afraid of a little bit. We'll talk about them a bunch today because they are facing the Chiefs in a really interesting game. But how do you deal with the overall huge scoring increase? Does that affect what you do in uh, DFS at all? Does it affect how you deal with cash games or GPP, or just kind of you kind of go with the flow and you're still trying to score the most points? Does it, does it affect you at all?
2: Uh, but, You know, I think because it's so – widespread so prevalent that you don't worry too much about it like if there were four or five shutdown defenses that were popping up that you had to worry about that would make things a little more complicated because I think it would concentrate ownership more but I think the way this season is playing out we're getting flatter ownership distribution at a lot of different positions so uh, chalk is is not as as big of a deal as it could be if there were you know uh, fewer teams to pick on and the thing that really kind of caught my eye, just kind of closing the book on on week four, Ezekiel Elliott had that huge game last week, and in the Millionaire Maker on DraftKings, he was over thirty percent owned. Wow, like, that that didn't seem quite that chalky to me when we talked about that matchup last week. I mean, like that that was a really odd sort of thing. So, I, unpredictable chalk is is kind of fun in some ways because. You know, it, it I don't play enough lineups where it's going to, to burn me somewhere most more often than not. And it's just kind of a it, it's kind of a strange thing when you see a guy who comes in at like seven, eight percent ownership rate the first few weeks and then flies up to 30 percent just because the price ticks down just a little bit.
1: Yeah, I guess it was, uh, you know, mostly a, an impact of his price going down, you know, looking at his DraftKings prices. Uh, he was uh, I'm looking here. He was uh, he was in like 7,700 last week, but he was 7,700 the first uh, two weeks of the season, too. I mean, so he was, uh, you know, he was off the slate in week two and then week one and three he was 7,700. So wasn't even priced down, but just was priced down among the elite running backs. And, uh, you know, facing Detroit at home, I guess it was a matchup that uh, people really liked. He had something like 240 c- combined yards. Uh, monster game at the right time. That was uh, I wouldn't have expected he was be quite that chalky either.
2: Right, and I think with with Detroit, I mean, the yardage they're giving up right now, 5.3 yards per carry on the ground entering Week 5. Uh, the Green Bay running backs this week, even though it continues to be a totally messy situation, we talked about it last week, trying to predict you know, what Mike McCarthy was going to do, how he was going to handle potentially having a big lead in that game, and it was the three-headed monster yet again, where it, it looked for a stretch in that game as Aaron Jones had sort of taken over the starting job. He was playing consecutive series and even out there in a few passing situations and yet we get back to the fourth quarter and, and Jamal Williams gets back on the field and it just kept it kept kind of pulling right back to the mess every time you started to think Jones was getting that separation and now we have a match up here in week five where people are going to be really excited again in GPPs about Aaron Jones and maybe even about Ty Montgomery given the state of the Packers receiving core right now
1: yeah, it's interesting. We talked about Aaron Jones last week, and you know, I think we both agreed that we really liked him and he was the best guy there, but we just didn't know about usage and how split up it was. I mean, as a Packers fan watching that game, do you think that, you think that Jones has started to emerge uh, significantly more than, than the week before, or how do you, how do you feel about them, uh, kind of that whole situation going forward?
2: It was just more of the same where he, he looked like their clear-cut best runner. He's electric. He gets the ball yeah. in his hands. He can make guys miss. He, there's situations where it looks like he's going down. He finds a way to spin away from a, a last-second hit, keeps his balance. It's just – it's something they need because that passing game is not at the, the top of the league sort of level that I would have expected it to be at, whether that's just breaking in a few new guys, the absence of Jordy Nelson, you know, a combination of those things, Rodgers with that knee injury in week one, uh, you know, I'm not sure if, if it's going to stay at this level, but I, I think there's are there are some serious questions that have to be answered with the schemes in the offense, with some of the play calls that are being made. And, and Aaron Rodgers was pretty quick to point that out after the game I mean, the Packers shut the bills out, had, had a ton of yardage. It didn't come up with a, a lot of points. I mean, I think it was a 22 nothing final. They should have put 40 on the board the way they were moving the ball in that game. And, and I think he was right to be frustrated with the, the lack of output
1: yeah that uh that makes sense to me uh we talked a lot about the first few weeks about kind of the low percentage running back chalk play you know we've had some injuries that rolled guys into spots we had the Le'Veon bell holdout that make james Conner a pretty big play weeks one and two i don't see a ton of those this week on the overall slate just kind of looking at maybe tj yeldon with leonard fournette out uh, might be that guy but is there anybody kind of running backs uh, rolling into roles that uh, that you think uh become high percentage this week
2: uh, Sony Michelle, if you're playing the Thursday slate, but yeah, not on the main slate. I mean, I think his price is still low, so people are going to be jumping all over that uh, here on Thursday night. Yeldon's absolutely at the top of that list. I've seen a little bit of buzz on Twitter about Buck Allen. Maybe this is a big Buck Allen week with that matchup against the Browns. Browns are pretty good at, at rushing the passer, and, and getting you know, the ball out in space to Allen might be something they do to try and keep that that pass rush at bay. I think the guy I'm, I'm keeping an eye on as we, we get more practice reports this week is Latavius Murray yet again because Dalvin Cook still dealing with that hamstring injury and much like the Leonard Fournette situation, it just makes you wonder if if the Vikings and Jags are going to look at their situations with those two backs, look at what they have behind them on the depth chart and say they're better off going through a two, three, maybe even a four-week stretch trying to get up to their respective bye weeks without those guys and in their place leaning pretty heavily uh, on guys like Yeldon and Latavius Murray might just be a necessary sort of thing to do I don't think it changes the look of those teams that much because they've got uh, other things to fall back on the Jags of course with their defense and you know, a pretty impressive group of young receivers even though within that group it's kind of hard to tell where the ball is going to go uh, but yeah you look at the setup it, it just it seems like Latavius Murray could pop up and have a surprising amount of value this week if Cook is unable to go and it just seems like he's he's no guarantee to play based on Getting that long layoff following the Thursday game and not being out there on Wednesday for the start of the practice week.
1: Yeah, as a as a Dalvin Cook owner in the uh, in the RotoWire Stake League, I'm I'm a little bit concerned about that. But you talked about Fournette. Uh, their bye week is week nine. Would you be shocked if we don't see him again until week ten in November against the Colts?
2: Not at all. I think it'd be smart. I mean, I think the schedule is not that bad between now and then. They've shown they can win without him. Yeldon is a good enough replacement for Fournette. Where. They can still do all the things they want to do. They can run Corey Grant a little bit, too, if they don't want to put too much of a workload on Yeldon. Uh, So, yeah, this week you get a shootout against Kansas City. Then you get Dallas, Houston, Philly in week eight. It's a pretty tough matchup. The bye in week nine. I think they'd be smart. Two weeks didn't do it with this injury. And they've said that it's no worse than the injury that caused him to miss two weeks. But if two weeks wasn't enough with the same injury before, that means he's going to have to miss three or four this time before he gets back. So I think the way the schedule falls with a week nine by as opposed to like a week 11 or a week 12 by they are going to be very tempted to go ahead and sit Leonard Fournette for these next four games
1: talk about uh talk about death if you took him in the first round of a season long though holy crap
2: but there's a few situations where you would trade for him I and mean, I talked about those with with John Halpin on the, the season long podcast earlier today where you know if you had a James Conner uh if you had any If you were running Gio Bernard out there these last few weeks when Mixon was out, if that was kind of keeping you afloat at running back and you've been winning a lot, you might need a running back later. And imagine a, a rested and healthy Leonard Fournette coming out of that Week 9 bye, just wreaking havoc on the league as defenses are like a half season in and he's relatively fresh in the second half. Like That's a pretty interesting scenario that could unfold.
1: And coming out of the bye, they go Colts, Steelers, Bills, Colts the first four week That is lovely.
2: Yeah, that's like twenty-five fantasy points per game from <laughs> yeah. Fournette if he's healthy at that point in the season.
1: So looking at uh, the, looking at this week's slate, it looks like um, you know Vegas is kind of uh, adjusting the over/unders. We've seen a lot more scoring. We have five games that are forty-nine and a half or over on an over/under. Obviously, the big game of the week is Atlanta at Pittsburgh. Everybody's salivating over this game, both season-long DFS players. Everybody wants a piece of this game. Over/under a fifty-seven. There we have uh, Oakland at the Chargers. Over/under fifty-three and a half. There. Rams at Seattle's 50 and a half Green Bay Detroit's 51 Miami and Cincinnati surprising I wouldn't have thought this a couple weeks ago over under 49 and a half aside from the Atlanta Pittsburgh game which I think you know we'll get into real deep when we talk about that game an obvious an obvious one across the board and there's other four games that have a high over under that you maybe uh, think about stacking as a fade on that uh, on that Atlanta Pittsburgh game
2: I, I like the the Raiders chargers matchup a lot. I, I even like Carr and Cooper. I think people are, are scared of Amari Cooper. And I, I look at him as actually like a cash game viable option because the price is so low right now. Two of the matchups that he's been shut down in this season in week one against the Rams. Derek Carr was terrified to throw against that Rams defense. They had to healthy at that time. So they had both to and Peters on the field together. Uh, Xavier and Howard shut him down in week three. But I think Howard's going to do that to top receivers on occasion and in the other two matchups at Denver and then last week against the Browns, we saw heavy targets. We saw 10 and 12 targets in those games. We saw Cooper go over 100 yards and he found the end zone for the first time in week four. I just think the way the Chargers are playing right now, uh, they've been banged up. They haven't had the same pass rush for most this year because of Joey Bosa being hurt. I look at this as a very weak secondary and one that Carr can throw on very comfortably. So even stacking up both sides of that game, getting exposure, Keenan Allen's going to be really popular again in cash games, but you what? Know, don't I don't worry about that in cash games, and I think it's just a, a really easy game to go after if you're trying to get away a little bit from Atlanta-Pittsburgh, which should be an excellent matchup.
1: Interesting you say that on Allen. I actually don't think Allen's going to be that high percentage, even in cash games, just because of the fact that um, Julio, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith, maybe Odell Beckham are going to be pretty popular. I think uh, you know with Allen coming off three uh, games in a row where he hasn't hit 100 yards and hasn't scored – uh, I just wonder at that price how, how many people are going to be able to fit uh, multiple series, especially in a cash game where everybody's going to want to have Julio or Antonio
3: Brown.
2: Yeah, I, I like them. I mean, especially on DraftKings, you're getting a full point per reception. But if, if yeah, you, you might be right, the way the other games break down may pull that ownership rate down. Uh, Keenan Allen peaked with a 21.4% a uh, ownership rate on DraftKings, the Millie Maker back in week one. It's been under 10% every week since then, under 5% the last two weeks. So, yeah, I think you're right. Maybe you are getting him really low on the Raiders giving up 8.2 yards per attempt, uh, a 94.5 pass rating allowed so far. There's nothing to fear in that Oakland defense. They have no pass rush. The secondary is weak, and Phillip Rivers can exploit that.
1: Yeah, not to not to spoil a later game, but uh, Allen's one of my favorite plays this week just because of the fact that I think there's going to be a lot of other receivers that are going to be really popular in that range.
2: Oh, yeah. I, I think there's, there's, definitely, there's definitely something to the way this slate breaks down that makes that game stand out to me as, as one that is more interesting than usual uh, because there will be a ton of attention paid to the Steelers and Falcons
1: yeah and it's interesting you mentioned Amari Cooper I flipped on him just to look at his uh, FanDuel price it actually went down last week guy goes 828 in a touchdown and it went down from 6600 to 6500 maybe because he's facing the the Chargers and they have a reputation as a pretty good pass offense but uh, like you said that uh, that defense or pass defense sorry that uh, that defense has not been the same this year without Bosa not getting pressure on the quarterback giving guys more time to throw Uh, I was just surprised that uh, the Cooper goes off and his price goes down
2: so with 5500 being the price on DraftKings, though, do you expect Cooper to have a much, much higher ownership rate than Allen on their side? I mean, that $2,300 price difference there. It's $1,600 difference. On Fanduel, like how much more attention do you think Cooper gets in tournaments than Keenan Allen this week?
1: Normally, I would say a bunch, but uh, I think people are scared of Amari Cooper. He's so inconsistent. He's so up and down, and that's just not this year, but kind of overall in his career and a lot of reputation of dropping passes, not scoring in the red zone. Uh, I just I don't I don't ever think Amari Cooper is going to be that high just because of who he is at the moment.
2: I, that seems wrong though to me. Like it, I, yeah, I mean, no, again, I, especially yeah, with those matchups so. that he's had this year, just it seems like. People are putting too much of what happened to him last year into the early season analysis for this year when there's a a perfectly good matchup explanation for why it did not work for him in weeks one and three.
1: Yeah, and I, I think you throw one, week one out the window. I mean, that Raiders offense, like you said, Carr looked scared. He was getting rid of the ball in like you know 1.8 seconds or whatever the stat was, 2.2 2 seconds. Uh, I think you kind of throw that game away. And since that week, uh, the Raiders offense has kind of been chugging along pretty well.
2: Right, and I think people maybe are not as... Willing to give Xavier and Howard credit as they probably should be as a legit shutdown corner.
1: So on the uh, on the low side of the slate, we have a couple of games that are pretty low. Uh, Tennessee Buffalo sticks out uh, like a sore thumb. Over under of thirty nine super low number in this environment of offensive scoring so far this year uh tennessee's fair by three and a half in that game but that's a really low one then we have the uh the cardinals and the 49ers both starting quarterbacks who weren't starting week one that's uh, not always good it's, uh, you're just starting october uh garoppolo obviously out for the year sam bradford uh, was ineffective so josh rosen and cj Beathard quarterback that game we have an over under of 41 in that game uh with both of those games, are those, uh, are those ones... Uh, you obviously will hit it uh, game by game, but are those games just kind of avoid with those low numbers considering how many high numbers we do have to play with?
2: Yeah, I, I think still with just two teams on by, you don't have to get cute. Uh, even if you want to do something that's contrarian, you don't need to be that contrarian. And, I mean, watching the Bills last week, I, I go to about one NFL game per season, <laughs> and I've been doing that for about 10 years. That's the worst team I've seen in person. Like, I, I mean, they they didn't look good at all they they didn't have receivers that could get separation they didn't run it all that well i mean shady mccoy only touched the ball like eight times but this is a a team that i think could be just awful every single week all season um it's not even all josh allen's fault like i'm not really a big josh allen guy as a prospect i think he's set up to fail right now with the lack of talent around him on that roster a bad offensive line as far as like your your defenses go it Tennessee in season long and in cash games, especially, I think it's going to be really popular because the Bills turn the ball over and they allow a ton of sacks.
1: You were you were there and you kind of can watch that game and saw the whole field. Is Kelvin Benjamin as terrible as I think he is?
2: Yeah, and and Josh Allen almost killed him with that throw <laughs> that Haha Ha Clinton Dix picked off. I mean, he kind of stared him down, let him right into Ha Ha. It was just it was scary. I mean, it was one of those plays where even from. 50 rows back, you could see either a piece of helmet or a mouthguard go flying when he got Whoa. hit, and he he wasn't moving. And then he, he was out there in the fourth quarter again. I don't know what the Bills were doing there. There's there's like a zero percent chance that Kelvin Benjamin didn't suffer a concussion in that game <laughs> from that hit. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So
1: jumping in at game by game, we'll start uh, at Baltimore at Cleveland. Uh, a little more interesting game than we would have thought a month ago. This is over unders forty seven. Baltimore's favored by three, so a nice uh, a nice game script for points. When you look at that over under. You look at a close spread. Uh, starting at the Baltimore side of the field, I think that Joe Flacco has been uh, you know kind of a revelation this year. He's got the Lamar Jackson heat coming behind. And he's played well, multiple touchdowns in three or four games. Uh, David Carr just thrashed this Cleveland defense. He had four thirty seven and four touchdowns last week. It was the first real huge game against them, but you know, fresh in our mind. Uh, Flacco seventy two hundred. We have a lot of expensive quarterbacks going to be popular this week. Uh, are you thinking about playing Flacco at all? Kind of a, a low percentage, save some money kind of guy.
2: Uh, I'm not, but it, it makes some sense. It'd be GPPs only, uh, just because you know there's 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 actually enough there that could go right for him to take down a tournament, which is a weird thing to say about Joe Flacco. But I think Cleveland's defense gets enough pressure, does well enough against the pass at times where you can look at them and say, yeah, this. This could be bumpy at, in the sense of turnovers uh, for this Ravens offense as well. So I I do think Baltimore is playing at a level that's much higher than we expected. I think there's a couple pass catchers that you could think about as discounted uh, options at receiver, especially. It's weird because like I want to use their tight ends, but they they mix in so many guys that I just feel like I'm I'm not sure what the distribution is going to be in any given week. So for me, it's probably a concentration where I'm looking at John Brown. I'm looking at uh, a Willie Sneed maybe on DraftKings, and that's probably my my best path to some ownership, some exposure to that Ravens offense.
1: Yeah, I want to talk about John Brown for a second. He's a guy that I've really liked watching over the years. He just always has something, always gets hurt. He had a couple of, uh, couple of medical issues last year and the year before. He leads the NFL with 17 targets of 15-plus uh, yards downfield, so they're really looking him deep, and it seems like you know, once a quarter, they check in on him on a deep ball. And, and, and it's kind of what you always wanted from Brown when he was at the Cardinals. It was frustrating that they he, he would kind of disappear for games. But they're, they're, they're pretty much making sure that he gets some shots downfield every single game. Uh, 26 targets the last three weeks. He has over 80 yards in each game. Uh, the Browns, you know, as we talked about, allowed 120 yards to Amari Cooper last week. Uh, 89 yards, two touches to Michael Thomas the week before that. Antonio Brown had 93 yards against him. So wide receiver ones have done well. He scored three or four weeks, and he's still only 6,200 in FanDuel. Uh, I still like John Brown. I'm always worried he's going to get hurt mid-game and kind of hurt me, but I don't know. I'm kind of riding with Brown right now at the price.
2: The injury risk because of soft tissue problems that he's dealt with for a good chunk of his career, those are always kind of there, but he's on pace for uh, a 60-catch, 1,300-yard season, so the Mm. the big plays have been there. Six catches already for 20-plus yards. Uh, GPPs only, as per usual, uh, but with so many other interesting players all over the board, seems like a guy that's probably going to be pretty ignored this week.
1: Yeah, uh, one other note on this offense. Uh, First of all, Alex Collins only has over 11 carries in one game. I just think that he's kind of not a play right now fumbles are concerned he has scored in three or four games but he's hard to trust with that usage right now uh the interesting guy to me uh way way off the radar Michael Crabtree's 5100 on DraftKings no one will own him this week but in a PPR uh he does have 28 targets the last three weeks he's done very little with them but he's more involved in the offense than it looks like if you look at his stats I think he's someone that if you really want to get you know two three percent ownership at 5100 uh, he's a guy that I'd like slotting in kind of at a flex spot in a couple of a uh, couple of GPPs on DraftKings
2: Yeah, I think it's sneaky. I think it's easy to be drawn more to Brown. Both are going to be low enough owned where you're not really worried about ownership rates in general. But I would agree with you that Crabtree is even lower owned than John Brown this week by a decent margin.
1: Uh, Anybody on the Browns offense that you're interested in? You know, we do have a pretty good game script here. The three-point dogs at home, 47 point over under. Uh, you know Jarvis Landry 6900 on FanDuel he was quiet last week did score but only had 34 yards and 4 catches did have 10 targets though he's obviously a target monster guy he's uh, over double He's double digit targets in 3 or 4 games uh, do you like Landry this week is there anybody else on the Browns that you're interested in
2: I'm a little worried about just about everybody Landry I think is the safest Cleveland offensive player pretty much every single week the Browns have been really good against the or the Ravens have been really good against the pass so far this year 5.3 yards per attempt allowed This is one of those weeks where I'm a little bit worried about Baker Mayfield. With Carlos Hyde maybe giving some touches to Nick Chubb, both of those guys are in a position where it's hard to trust them enough to to go ahead and use them. You're getting low ownership rates across the board, but I don't think I'm playing any Browns this week, even Jarvis Landry. But if I had to play one, he'd be the guy.
1: So moving on to the next game, a really fascinating game, one of the more interesting games of the day. We have Jacksonville headed to Kansas City. Uh, you've got probably probably the best offense in the league so far through four weeks against the best defense. we have got kind of an up-and-down offense in Jacksonville that sometimes goes off, sometimes does nothing. They had the game where they killed the Patriots uh, on offense, and they had the game where they scored six points against the Titans against a defense that is uh, you know pretty bad across the board in Kansas City. Starting on the Jacksonville side, I think that uh, Blake Bortles is 7,000, probably going to be pretty popular, probably the highest percentage we'll see on him all year. Uh, are you jumping on Bortles at the, at the low price against this defense? How are you handling this game?
2: So Bortles, uh, could just compared to like Carr, is kind of priced the same on FanDuel. There's both $7,000. Uh, Bortles is a little more expensive on DraftKings, but it's almost a negligible amount, 5500 for him, compared to Carr's $5,200. i would rather play Derek Carr against the Chargers. I think with Jacksonville, I think they can put a lot of points in the board even without Bortles going off because of Yeldon, because of Corey Grant, because of their ability to run the ball. I think that kind of balances things out a little bit more. And I think if if Jacksonville's defense can just find – a few ways to slow down the Chiefs, keep them in the, the low to mid-20s range as opposed to the upper 30s where they, they often go. You know, it, just, it leads you to a game script that is not as favorable. It, it doesn't it doesn't set up as nicely for Bortles as it does for a lot of other opposing quarterbacks because the Jacksonville defense is that much better. So I think Bortles is a fade for me this week.
1: So Yeldon is uh, 6,500 on FanDuel this week. Uh, obviously, we mentioned earlier no Leonard Fournette. Uh, he had 100 yard, he had a total yards and two touchdowns last week, really involved in the passing game. Uh, the KCD gave up 136 yards on 20 carries last week to uh, Philip Lindsey and uh, Royce Freeman. Uh, they gave up 157 yards on 24 carries the week before to Matt Breida and Alfred Morris. So, you know, names that are decent, but not guys that are elite running backs. They're getting pretty thrashed on defense. Uh, TJ Yeldon, kind of a, uh, a throw him in there in, in both on FanDuel and DraftKings for you?
2: Yeah, definite cash play for me. Uh, GPPs, you know, you want to limit the exposure a bit because I think everybody's going to want him. It opens up so many interesting possibilities to pay up at the top for Falcon Steelers guys we talked about before, the Julios, the Antonio Browns, uh, Alvin Kamara. We'll talk about that situation in a bit. Christian McCaffrey, all those really high-end pieces you want become so much more affordable if you go ahead and lock Yeldon in for your cash game lineups.
1: So we, we obviously have been picking on the Kansas City defense. Uh, it's something that's worked well. You know, they were a little bit better this week against Denver. But uh, the Jacksonville wide receivers are tough. You know, you got these three guys that all kind of uh, get the same targets every week. Dante Moncrief last week had 109 yards and a touchdown. D.D. Westbrook was a monster with nine catches, 130 yards. I wonder if based on those two games with three guys kind of the same price range, I wonder if maybe Keelan Cole might be the, the sneaky, super low percentage guy and kind of forgotten after last week.
2: I think he would be. Um, I think the price is low enough where you can you can roll him out there as a one off. You don't have to pair him with Bortles. Right. And it, it's it's still more of a GPP strategy for all of those receivers. I agree. They're so tricky in season long. I, I, I don't envy anybody that has uh, one of those guys versus something else that gets targets. You know, I, I guess like this week, a, a Tyler Lockett type going up against the Rams. Maybe it makes the decision a little bit easier. But just trying to figure this out week to week is one of the bigger puzzles as far as the passing games league-wide are concerned. I was buying in 100% on Keelan Cole after that game against the Patriots. He looked so good against New England. I thought he was going to be their legit number one. But they may be one of those teams that, you know, it just kind of rotates based on the matchups. Maybe they got a bunch of typical like number two receiver types that, depending on who ends up getting more favorable coverage, that's the guy that goes off this week. Moncrief, you kind of feel like you know what he's going to do because he gets those chances around the red zone. I don't think he's going to be the yardage monster that he was last week, but I don't really have a strong argument against Moncrief at some of the prices we're seeing, too. 4100 on DraftKings for him is so cheap against that woeful Chiefs defense.
1: Yeah, it uh, it really is. I think Dede's probably my favorite guy for season long, especially if you play PPR Cole might be my favorite guy, you know, DFS, GPP guy. But like you said, Moncrief's so cheap. It's just you can make a case for all three of those guys. You can make a case against all three of them. I think you're right. I think it's a one-off kind of thing and throw them in some GPPs trying to hit the right guy each week. But it's, it's going to be frustrating week to week to try and time those guys.
2: I mean, the usage in terms of snap counts last week, 78, 78, 74, Westbrook <laughs> just slightly behind in terms of the percentage played. But they, they're all out there a lot, and they don't really have anybody else behind them chipping away at their targets right now.
1: Yeah, and they all have between 20 and 30 targets, uh, actually between 22 and 28 targets. So there's a group, they're grouped together pretty amazingly well for uh, for three guys in the same offense. Uh, on the flip side, we've got Kansas City. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, struggled in quotes last week, had three four yards and a touchdown passing and one rushing. Obviously, he had the left-handed pass during the comeback that everybody was excited about. But I uh, got to think this is probably the low per- lowest percentage he'll be all year. He's 8,600 on FanDuel, so he's still priced way up against this uh, you know elite Jacksonville defense. So do you uh, do you just go away from Mahomes this week with so many good options, or are you kind of uh, want to be sneaky back in at a lower percentage?
2: I think you could make one GPP lineup for Mahomes, but it's probably the only time for the rest of the season where you don't want to play him in cash. Like that's that's the that's the simple analysis. Maybe that's too simple. Maybe I'm I'm dumbing it down too much and, and underestimating what he can do against an elite defense. But yeah, the Jags under six yards per attempt allowed so far, just three passing scores. Kind of curious to see if the Chiefs find some find some success at the ground this week, or if they have something else up their sleeve. Maybe they're going to have a little extra deception, some some trick plays, or something to really keep that that Jags defense guessing.
1: Yeah, this will be a very fun game as as a fan to sit down and watch. Uh, you know, this offense against that defense should be fun. Jackson was only allowed three passing touchdowns all year. Uh, but they have faced Sam Darnold, Marcus Mariota, and Eli Manning. So there's a little bit of uh, a competition in there. And uh, Brady had only 234 yards. they would have two touchdowns against them. But it should be interesting to see what uh, what elite offense does. On the on the kind of skill player Kansas City guys, are you interested in Kareem Hunt or Tyree Kill? Is there anybody that you're going to play in that regard?
2: If I were playing one of them for tournaments, i like Hunt on DraftKings at 5,800. The Jags give about four yards per carry. Only one rushing touchdown this season. But if you think the Chiefs can move the ball a little bit, uh, they might be able to uh, to get Hunt a little more involved in the red zone than they would in a typical week. So that kind of bumps him up a little bit for me. Uh, Tyreek Hill, you know, he's the kind of guy that scores from anywhere on the field, just has that huge playability. His price has slipped a little bit. It seems like on DraftKings, under 7K now at 6,900. So I could see the case for that. I'm probably not doing it. I don't think I build quite enough lineups. But uh, I think it's, it's, it's a fine sort of tournament play if you want to do something a bit different. Uh Travis Kelsey, six thousand on DraftKings this week. That's a pretty interesting price. But the, the Jags, if I'm not mistaken, have had a lot of success against Gronk. And I feel like if you can bracket Gronk appropriately, you could probably handle Travis Kelsey as well. So this might be the kind of week where I go light or even avoid Travis Kelsey entirely.
1: Yeah, I'm like the world world's biggest Travis Kelsey fan. Three straight games with double digit targets in each game. Um but the only tight end over 20 yards this year against the against the Jags is actually Jacob Hollister for the Patriots. He had three catches at 35 yards. Gronk was two for 15. Evan Ingram was two for 18. Uh, they seem like they really focus on the tight end and really shut down some good ones. It, it's hard to get on board with Kelsey. He'll be low percentage. Maybe a tournament guy just how good he is. But those are some pretty uh, pretty pretty amazing stats when you look at the Jags versus tight end so far this year.
2: Yeah, it kind of makes you wonder if the Chiefs, if they're going to hit big plays, they're going to have to hit Sammy Watkins, they're going to have to go... Even a little further down the list, and and you know, run some some crazy gimmick stuff. Like how how are they going to get it done against a good defense? That's going to be the fascinating thing to watch in this matchup.
1: Yeah, really fun game to watch. Uh, Kareem Hunt looked good last week. You know, not only stat wise, but kind of eye test. He was really running over guys. He looked. Uh... It Looked like he was running uh, harder and better than he had all year. He was 19 carries for a buck 21. He's interesting. To me, I agree with you there on DraftKings at 5800. Just uh, Jacksonville's tough on the exterior, tough on the barriers with their cornerbacks. Maybe a good kind of dump off game. Get Hunt uh, a little bit loose in the middle of the field in the passing game.
2: Yeah, you think about. I mean, even even with this quality defense, the Chiefs are implied to score 26 points. So how how are they going to do it? Well, it's easier to run on the Jags than just to throw on them. So. That does kind of open things up a bit for Hunt as a runner, but I would agree that getting him the ball out in space, short passes could be a big part of the the adjustment for Andy Reid this week.
1: Moving from a fascinating game to a not-so-fascinating game, we have uh, Tennessee at Buffalo. We mentioned this game earlier, lowest over-under on the slate at 39. Uh, these two teams are 31st and 32nd in the league in plays over 20 yards in the season. They both have less than 10 of those on the season so far. Not good. Titans have yet to allow a rushing touchdown in the season, so it doesn't bode well for LaShawn McCoy, who's done nothing anyway through four weeks. Uh, is there anybody that you're interested in this game at all on either side?
2: Um. Not really. No, uh, Derek Henry, maybe in tournaments on FanDuel because, you know, he doesn't catch passes and that matters a bit less over there. But that's your 10th lineup tournament, second running back kind of thing or a flex kind of thing beyond that. No, I, I don't want anything to do with this game.
1: My uh, my one guy that I'm interested in in, in tournaments uh, based on price is actually Taiwan Taylor, uh, five thousand on Fanduel, four thousand on DraftKings. He had nine targets last week. Uh, it was pretty clear that he got a, He got a workload bump with Rashard Matthews uh, out of the out of the uh, system. There, um, some upside at a cheap price and a good matchup. He's not someone that I play in cash by any means, but seven catches last week, seventy-seven yards. Uh, if he stays that involved, uh, pretty interesting play on, uh, on 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 DraftKings at four
2: thousand. Would you stack him with uh, with Marcus Mariota? I mean, nope. Mariota. Nope. It, it, it's <laughs> nope. The, the Bills. The Bills are bad against the pass. Like if, <laughs> they, if,
1: they're just bad everywhere. But yeah,
2: a stack nobody wants Mariota and Taylor. But I, I do like the usage increase for Taylor. Um, but I, I think I'm kind of where you are. I'm looking at Tennessee. Some people are trusting him as a survivor pick. I am not there at all. Uh, but even though Buffalo looks like an expansion team to me in Lambeau, I, I still I don't want to be overzealous with getting on board with the Titans offense right now. I want them to prove it. This is an easy spot for them to prove it, but I I don't think in a week where there's only two teams on by, I'm going to get cute with a lot of Titans this week.
1: Yeah, the one other interesting play, and I think they'll be pretty popular, is the Titans defense. They're only 3,900 on FanDuel. Uh, they have uh, 11 sacks the last three games, at least three in each one. The Bills allowed seven sacks last week to the Packers and five. They've given up five or more sacks in three of their four games. Just a disaster up front on the offensive line. They had they have two interceptions in three of their four games. Uh, this kind of builds is a, is a really nice game for the Titans defense. I don't know how high percentage they'll be. I have to think they will be high percent uh, with all those stats and everyone to attack the Bills. But uh, I like Tennessee on defense this week.
2: Yeah, surprisingly, the Packers were like 4% owned of the Millionaire Maker last week. I would guess the Titans come in a little higher than that. Bills yeah. up to 21 sacks allowed for the season. They've already thrown six picks, averaging just 12.5 points per game. So it checks all the boxes here. The only thing about this that would give you any pause is that Tennessee has to go on the road to Buffalo. So that makes it a little bit tougher. They got them in, in Tennessee. I think they'd be even more chalky.
1: Yeah, they uh Tennessee's been under 3000 on fan or on DraftKings the first four weeks. Now they're 4000 this week. So the uh, the Bills effect on defense is very real.
2: How much do you think Bills fans still hate the Titans?
1: <laughs> uh the uh, the Music City Miracle play uh, has to stick in anybody's craw who's over about 25 years old, I would think.
2: Yeah, I mean that that still has to infuriate you to this day if you're yeah. a Bills fan. Among many other things, like a fan base that does deserve better because they're passionate. They show up even when things are are not going well. They've had so much heartbreak in the postseason from the 90s and everything and of course that that music city miracle that I just uh, you know dug up the wound on again. but it's just it's crazy. just crazy to me how bad this team looked in week four and yet they somehow went in and just crushed Minnesota on the road in week three. It makes no sense to me at all.
1: I think we'll look back when we're in, like, middle of November and realize that that Bills-Minnesota game was the flukiest, weirdest game of the whole season.
2: Like, Minnesota just blacked out for three and a half hours and, and the Bills, like, just won because Minnesota didn't know what it wanted to do in that game at all. Or, or I, I swear, they just they had to be looking ahead. Had to be. To the Rams. Like, yeah. that's the only explanation that makes any sense.
1: Especially with that game being a Thursday game, they must have been game planning for the Rams because Minnesota looked, uh, on offense at least, looked really good in that Rams game. So, uh, clearly there was just... There was some sort of disconnect. They were not prepped for that game. It was uh it was it was I think it's gonna be you're gonna look back and realize what the hell happened in that
2: game. Yeah, but you I think your Taewon Taylor call, if, if you had to play a non defense, if you weren't gonna play Tennessee's defense, you wanted to do something in this game, Taewon Taylor is somewhat interesting. I don't think I'm gonna have enough lineups where I'm throwing him out there, even though he does open up a lot of flexibility in the cap.
1: Yeah, and he's one of those guys that you know has uh, has a lot of athletic skill, has uh, you know the talent to break a big play. So he could be uh, he could be interesting. Like I said, tournaments only. But he's a guy that you know if you got to save some money to play a lot of uh, Steelers and Falcons, he's probably one of the one of the top guys I like at at a super low price.
0: Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for best zero percent intro APR and balance transfer credit card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cash back or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits, too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from VCUSA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Uh, Giants at Carolina is our next game. Kind of a, a little more interesting one than the, than the Tennessee-Buffalo game. Uh, Carolina is favored by a touchdown in this game, over under a 44.5. Uh, starting on the Giants side of the ball, uh, Odell Beckham. He's 8300 this week. I think that uh, that price up there will keep him a low percentage with with Julio and Antonio Brown, really popular He's been super active, but he just hasn't had quite that bust-out game. But he did the same thing in 2016, kind of had the same start. He was active but not doing a lot, and then he just went nuts against uh, – I think it was might have been against Carolina. Uh, no, it wasn't against Carolina. I'll have to look up who it was. But he had two touchdowns. He scored. Uh, he had a lot of yards. I wonder if Odell Beckham seems due for that huge game on these games. I know we talked about it a couple weeks ago, and uh, he had like 109 yards but didn't really go crazy. Uh, great game script. They're at seven-point dogs going to have to throw. Eli's a big problem, but – uh, do you go with Beckham this week? Uh, how do you feel about him? Because I really like him as a, as as a, a lower percentage guy based off those big popular guys.
2: Yeah, I want to keep going back to him. He was twenty percent owned in the Millie Maker against the Saints last week. Beckham can produce against anybody, and and the yardage has been there. The catches have been there. You know, he's on pace to go over one hundred and twenty catches, over twelve hundred yards. I like think he's going to be over thirteen hundred if he holds up. what he's done in his first four games. He's just not scoring TDs. Like that's that's the only reason why he's really been a season long sort of disappointment. And as we were talking about earlier with you know, Allen and, and Amari Cooper and that other high-scoring game that may be under the radar, the elite receivers that aren't a part of those shootouts might get overlooked because of the attention paid to Antonio Brown and Juju uh, and, and Julio Jones and so many of those other players. So I do like Odell Beckham yet again this week. I think he's cash and GPP worthy.
1: Yeah, in 2016, I just went back and looked, and uh, he had, uh, the first five weeks of the season, he had one game over 100 yards and only one touchdown. Uh, week six, eight catches, 222 yards, and two touchdowns. So uh, the uh, the wait, 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 big explosion has paid off in the past.
2: And I mean, it's the kind of thing, too, if, if we are talking two months from now, when we're saying, Odell Beckham's got 10 touchdowns in his last eight games, it like, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't even surprise me. It'd just be like, oh, yeah, of course he does.
1: So Saquon Barkley in this game, he's under 8,000 on FanDuel, 7,900. Uh, he has 100-plus 100, 100 combined yards in each of their four games. He scored in three of those games. I feel like he's a little bit quiet based on the fact that he hasn't really gone crazy except for that one long touchdown run he had in week two. Uh, do you like Barkley this week uh, playing? Uh, it's a tough game script. They're seven-point dogs, but uh, they do throw to him a lot in the backfield, too.
2: Yeah, I don't think you have to avoid him in tournaments. I wonder if he's this week's Zeke because he's been basically the fifth most valuable running back in the league this season. Price is under 8000 both on FanDuel and DraftKings. It was about 18% ownership against the Saints. The, Car- the Carolina Panthers are not that good defensively against the run. 4.9 yards per carry. They've allowed four rushing TDs in four games. Actually, three games because they had a bye. Uh, and then the four carries of 20 or more yards as well. So they've leaked some big plays. They're allowing teams to score. I just look at this as a decent matchup for Barkley, and as you said, he gets targets if they fall behind. So you're not worried about him getting game scripted out of this one if Carolina's offense goes off against the Giants' defense.
1: Sterling Shepard's been super involved with, uh, with no Evan Ingram. 17 targets the last two weeks. He has uh, 6 for 80 in a touchdown and 10 for 77 in a touchdown. Uh, they uh, Do you do you like Shepard this week? He's 6,200. Uh, they was uh, you know, The slot guy against Carolina last week, uh, Tyler Boyd, had six catches for 132 yards in a touchdown. Uh, what do you? I guess that last game because Carolina didn't play last week. But uh, do you like do you like Sterling Shepard kind of off the increased uh, target share?
2: Yeah, it's not bad. I, I still see him as a little more of a cash game guy than a tournament guy. I think the ownership rate will be, of course, lower than it was last week. It was nearly thirty percent in the Millie Maker, so he'll come down quite a bit from there. Uh, but I, I do like this this setup a little bit. I mean, so much attention has to be paid to Beckham that even a team that's pretty good against the pass can be vulnerable to a slot player like Sterling Shepard. And as long as Ingram stays out, that inflated target rate is certainly enough to prop up his value for cash game use.
1: So on the Carolina side of the ball, we've seen Christian McCaffrey, uh, you know, really involved. He played 94% of the snaps two weeks ago or two games ago, and then 100% of the snaps in their last game, they had a buy in week four. Uh, you got to think the usage and the targets alone give him a pretty nice floor, especially on DraftKings where you get a point per uh, point per catch. Uh, really good game script here, seven-point favorites. Uh, do, you think, do you think McCaffrey would be pretty popular this week?
2: Yeah, I think he will be. Uh, If you're looking at projections versus just dollars, he's probably the best dollar for dollar running back on both of those sites this week. The matchup is good. The usage is favorable. Uh, I think he'll be probably the second or third highest on running back on on the slate. I love him in cash games. Limit your exposure accordingly in tournaments. But the way they're using him and, and the way he's looked so far is, to me, well worth paying for.
1: Anybody else on the uh, on the Carolina offense that you're interested in? You know their pass catches are kind of tough to figure out. You know Devin Funches is kind of the main guy. Ian Thomas has been a little bit involved in snaps, but hasn't really done much stat-wise. Um, Cam Newton though, he's averaging uh, averaging only t- over ten rushes a game, been really involved in the rushing aspect of the game. Uh, over uh, over two hundred yards only once. He did have that huge game against Atlanta. who Everybody has a huge game against. He's pretty pri- pretty priced up. Eighty four hundred on Fanduel. Uh, Newton. Anyone you're attacking this week?
2: Oh, I think only on DraftKings I would use them in in tournaments there. And I think the question is, do you just pair them up with McCaffrey? Like, do you go Newton McCaffrey instead, go quarterback running back and get your receiver production elsewhere? It's a very unique sort of stack. I know it's usually quarterback, receiver, quarterback, tight end. But the way they spread the ball around and, and the way they use McCaffrey as a pass catcher, it could work out. McCaffrey could be their number one receiver any given week just based on the way the targets could go.
1: Yeah, I mean, you talk about a guy who games, you know, game script doesn't really matter too. to. He, the first two games they needed to score and they were kind of behind. He had 24 targets in week three. They were winning. He had 20. He only had two targets. We had 28 rushes. So they're clearly getting him involved no matter how the game goes.
2: Exactly. So I think that's a kind of a, a sneaky pairing, perhaps, like even though McCaffrey is going to be heavily owned, I don't think Newton's going to get that much attention, uh, even less so on FanDuel, 8,400. That's going to keep a lot of people away.
1: Yeah, I kind of like uh, kind of like Newton as an an off the radar tournament play.
2: Yeah, I mean that's nine times out of ten, if I'm using him, it's it is in tournaments. That's just yeah. kind of the the stock approach for Cam, given the the attention the attention the occasional tendency to drop in a clunker, but he always brings that extra ceiling with his rushing ability. And uh, if he's going to vulture McCaffrey, well, if you've got McCaffrey there, it kind of kind of works out. You're going to get that production one way or another.
1: So next game, uh, we have the Broncos headed to the Meadowlands to face the Jets. Jets are actually two-and-a-half-point favorites in this game, over under 42 and a half, uh, Not especially intriguing there. Um, on the Denver side of the ball, you know they've got Philip Lindsay. They have Royce Freeman. They kind of uh, split carries, but Lindsay's uh, led the team in touches uh, from the running back position in all games where he has not been ejected. Uh, but it sounds like this week the coaches, uh, the coaches wanted Royce Freeman more involved. He looked really good against Kansas City. Um, I think these guys are just kind of a stay away from me right now. Maybe a tournament play if you want to try and hit one of them. But I think it's going to be split enough where I'm not going to be able to really figure out and attack one of them.
2: Yeah, and I think this is a weird week too cuz the Jets as far as their their pass defense is concerned, they're really not that bad through the air. So you're not you're not getting a, a great matchup for De'Marius Thomas or Emmanuel Sanders. You're not getting priced out badly either. So they're they're playable, but they don't just pop as as great matchup plays based on the Jets pass defense. I mean, they're giving up 7.2 yards per attempt, five passing TDs, six picks, a 79.8 passer rating against through these first four games.
1: Yeah, the only interesting one to me is a little bit of Emmanuel Sanders just because if you do attack the Jets, the slot receivers have been pretty good. Uh, Westbrook had 9 for 130 last week, and Jarvis Landry was 8 for 103, and Golden Tate had a touchdown uh, in, in the first week when, they, when, they, uh, when the Lions played them. Uh, so if I'm going to go anywhere, it's probably Sanders. Uh, Demaryius Thomas, that guy's been disappointing. He's uh, He's been tough to watch.
2: Yeah, he has. He's cheap, too. So I think the the lower price on Thomas might pull... Ownership rate slightly higher compared to Sanders. And I think with Sanders, he's not going to be very popular this week. So it's a good week to get him in there in GPPs if you think he can do that damage. Yeah, I usually like uh, home
1: defenses, but the Broncos defense is a little bit interesting this week. They are priced up on FanDuel, they're forty one hundred. But you know, Sam Darnold, and you know, they have not been explosive, prone to some mistakes. Um, you know, they've only they've only, but they've only the Broncos only have four sacks total the last three games. So they're they, after that huge first game they had a bunch of sacks. But the Jets have allowed a lot of sacks. They've allowed multiple sacks each game. So I think Broncos defense on the road might be an interesting lower percentage play. I don't think they'll be high percentage just based on the price and based on the fact they're on the road. But if I had to go with someone in this game, it probably is the Broncos defense actually
2: yeah and i'm probably not even doing that so it's a game i don't hate it the way i hate like tennessee buffalo but it probably just ends up falling away from all my lineups
1: yeah is there anybody on the jet side of the ball you're interested in playing i I think i'm just kind of a stay away on this offense at the moment Uh, even as a favorite at home there was nobody that jumped out to me that i really want to play in dfs
2: now running back splits kind of frustrating and if it's a close game you know the game script just keeps them both active as far as cruel and uh, below paul go i don't really see a receiver that i feel great about if i had to pick one to be quincy and nunwa but i'm not going to sit here and, and tell you that quincy and nun was in my lineups because he's not right now
1: yeah so before we get to the uh, the big game of the day in pittsburgh a quick note from our one of our sponsors a fantasy draft Fantasy draft is where we put fantasy players first every week you can play the hundred thousand dollar run and gun weekly feature gpp that's 25 five dollar buy-in great contest there also exciting on Fantasy Draft, there's a 500000 Fantasy Draft Championship that has weekly qualifiers. Uh, that's happening now. You jump in there, you get to qualify weekly and there's a week 16 final. Uh, that's a $500,000 championship overall. Fantasy Draft also has super flexible lineup construction. Makes it easier and more fun to sweat the players you love to watch on Sundays. Uh, a lot of different ways to get the guys you like in your lineup. It's also easier to win on Fantasy Draft. They pay out at least 25% of the field in every single contest. So lots of different ways to win on Fantasy Draft. Here's your call to action and a reason to sign up. You sign up now on Fantasy Draft, to get a free four dollars GPP ticket with a initial deposit. Just sign up with the referral code Rotowire. So jump in on Fancy Draft and get some of those exciting action there. Uh, Atlanta and Pittsburgh is uh, our most fun game of the day. Really high over under. You don't see many fifty seven over unders in the NFL. We've had a, a couple this year. Maybe one of the Kansas City games earlier this year had that. Uh, two really good offenses against two really struggling and injured defenses. So there should be a lot of points in this game. Uh, we'll start on the Atlanta side of the ball. They're the visitor. Uh, Matt Ryan, great game script. They're a little bit of an underdog in this game. Huge over-under. He's been huge the last three weeks. Four touchdowns, five touchdowns, and three touchdowns the last three weeks. Nearly 800 yards passing the last two weeks. Uh, Pittsburgh against quarterbacks the last three weeks. Flacco had 363, two touchdowns. Ryan Fitzpatrick had 411 and three touchdowns. Mahomes had 326 and six touchdowns. Uh, Matt Ryan, I assume uh, a pretty good cash play for you?
2: Absolutely, and, uh, and still, like, I think based on the way the ownership rates have been spread out to this point, I don't think if he's in the 12 to 15% range, he's necessarily in a void in tournaments either. I mean, this is going to be among the highest scoring games on the board, if not the highest scoring game on the board. Steelers defense, nothing to write home about. They've already allowed 12 passing TDs on the season, over eight yards per attempt allowed. 6,600 on DraftKings feels like a steal on Ryan. So that's just a, a crazy good bargain. 8,300 on FanDuel. That might actually keep the ownership rate in tournaments down, even though people like them, because I think I think a lot of people are going to want to save, go after a car or maybe Deshaun Watson at seventy if six hundred. They're playing a game that includes the Southern Night slate. Uh, so there's there's a few cheaper options that are going to pull some interest away in tournaments. I, I, I love this setup again for Matt Ryan. The defense is just so broken right now. I add Grady Jarrett to the list of players they've lost. It's it's a, it's a sad state of things from a real life standpoint to be missing that many guys it's great for us from a fantasy perspective to be able to pick on this team every week.
1: Yeah, I totally agree there. Um, so look at the receivers, uh, you know, obviously we like Matt Ryan. We like him against this defense. So you got to find the receivers. Calvin Ridley has been the hot guy. He has five touchdowns the last two weeks, only on 14 targets too. It's been a, a, an insane touchdown per target ratio. Uh, but the Steelers, you know, they've allowed uh seven touchdowns to wide receivers already five games of 90 plus yards in only four weeks. Uh, Julio Jones, the 8,800 fully priced up. Going to be popular this week. He has 57 catches since he last scored a touchdown, which seems almost impossible for Julio, especially with how they've been using him deep this year. He's been really been targeting him on deep balls. He leads the league in receiving yards. He has 502 receiving yards in four weeks. Uh, I love Julio this week. Uh, obviously, I'm not alone in that one, but uh, I think he goes crazy this week.
2: Yeah, it's a great setup for him. I think dollar for dollar, he's the, the highest projected per dollar player uh, as far as the receivers go this week. So you have to love that setup quite a bit. The interesting thing about this matchup, as you alluded to, though, it's the Ridley versus Sanu question. Yep. Uh, Sanu coming up with a big game last week will command a lot more attention than he did a week ago. He was 2% owned in the Millionaire Maker on DraftKings last week. I think that jumps up closer to like 8 maybe 10% this week because of what he did, because of this game script, and because of everybody's increasing confidence of the, Atlanta's defense, of the of Atlanta's defense to fall into these shootout situations. So... Sanu is one of those guys that he's very cheap. He's definitely not as flashy as Kelvin Ridley, but I think I like him just about as much because the price is quite a bit lower.
1: Yeah, he's four thousand on DraftKings, and you know Ridley two weeks ago was thirty seven hundred, then forty nine hundred, now he's fifty eight hundred. So he's getting to be at the fully priced level, and uh, you know the targets have not been that crazy. Uh, the touchdown, like I said, touchdown targets have been crazy. So I think I'm a, I'm with you there. I think uh, you know Julio obviously the guy that I want, and I want a lot of him. I think an interesting thing to do. Uh, this week is to take Jones or Antonio Brown and then instead of pairing them with each other, if you can play, get a lineup where you can get two expensive guys is to pair them with either Keenan Allen or with uh, Odell Beckham to get one of the high guys in this game and then one of the lower percentage ownership guys in the same price range.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think, um, you know, Beckham, especially in tournaments is probably the the better aggressive play. And I think yeah. Allen for, for cash games is a little bit safer than Beckham right now. But that's that's really just splitting hairs.
1: Before we move on to the Steelers, anybody else on the Atlanta offense that you like? I think that with Devontae Freeman back this week, you know him and Tevin Coleman probably split work enough that I'm probably going to stay away there, even in a game that's really interesting. Uh, Austin Hooper's five thousand on Fanduel. He was pretty active the first two weeks. He had thirteen targets, only two targets last week, and one catch. Uh, I think I just I can just go elsewhere, uh, you know. But if you want a piece of this game, maybe you can go with that. But I think I'm just going to go elsewhere at tight end.
2: I, Vance McDonald on the on the Pittsburgh side is is yep. the the cheap option so i'd be much more interested in him i think a lot of people are going to like him but um, i think yeah austin hooper i I don't hate it as a, a possible lighter owned gpp option i just think you can do a little bit better this week based on some of these other matchups
1: so on the Pittsburgh side, uh, Ben Roethlisberger has been fully engaging the uh, the home road uh, game script uh, narrative that everybody has on him. Two home games, he has six touchdowns. Two road games, he has two touchdowns total. So he's been a complete different player at home on the road. Uh, Atlanta's allowed 330 plus yards and three touchdowns each of the last three weeks. Just getting shredded in the pass game, like we mentioned, with all their injuries, they're missing two safeties, they're missing uh, you know both their, most of their good players. Uh, Keanu Neal's out, Deion Jones is out, uh, just a mess on defense. You mentioned Grady Jarrett. Um, so Ben is a, clearly a, a cash play game, a cash guy ga- game at uh, 8,400. Also a tournament guy. This game could go crazy. Uh, do you like pairing him with Antonio Brown, or do you like to Smith-Schuster, or you just kind of uh, you know figure them out, play both of them in the tournaments?
2: I actually like Smith-Schuster a little more this week. I okay. like saving up that money. I like having a little more of an upgrade at the other positions. I think when you pay up for Brown, it forces you to go cheaper somewhere else, and I'd rather... I'd rather have that extra, I mean, in the case of of DraftKings, you're looking at Juju at 7500 Brown at 9100 $1,600 goes a long way to upgrade one or two other spots. I'd rather have that, still get the exposure with Smith-Schuster. We know he's got that big playability. The target distribution is still pretty favorable, so the floor is high, but the ceiling can be really high with his big playability as well. Um, so I much prefer Smith-Schuster this week. I'm kind of curious to see how much the field prefers Smith-Schuster if they prefer him at all.
1: That was actually my question. You made a you made a good point for Smith Schuster, especially with that savings on DraftKings. The savings are a little bit less on FanDuel, a thousand I just wonder if everybody's going to look at that and be like, oh, I'll just get Juju Smith-Schuster in this game, and Antonio Brown's maybe a little lower percentage than we think. He just feels due to me to go ha- have one of those crazy Antonio Brown games. I mean, he hasn't gone off. He has no 100-yard games. He's still second in the NFL in targets, and he scored in three of the four games. But none of those huge explosive games. Uh, you know, A.J. Green had a touchdown last week against uh, against Atlanta. Michael Thomas was 10 for 129 the week before. I just wonder if uh, you know Antonio Brown has one of those like you know nine catch hundred seventy five yard two touchdown games, and it feels like they kind of were forcing him the ball last week. He was a little upset about target shares the week before. I just uh, kind of like Od- Odell Beckham. I kind of feel like that huge game coming, and I, I just don't want to miss it.
2: Yeah, I think it comes down to what the rest of your lineup looks like. Totally. But if my initial read is to go down and and save money and go after Smith schuster it's probably the overwhelming majority of people's initial reads. So I think you're you're right to point out that the extra money it's going to take to get Brown might make him a better play, especially in tournaments.
1: I'm going to try really hard to get Brown in lineups. It's going to be tough at that price, but uh, I, I think that he's going to be worth it this week. I'm going to try really hard to force him into some spots.
2: Do you want uh, two pieces of the Pittsburgh passing game in the same lineup? Do you want Antonio Brown and... Vance McDonald, perhaps, on DraftKings, because that really offsets the cost in a way that allows you to spend up for some other high end receivers if you want Beckham to go with that lineup.
1: Yeah, I still don't think Vance McDonald can catch a football, but once he does, it's uh, it's really impressive. <laughs> he's had some uh, he's had some really uh, nice plays the last couple weeks. He had that uh, you know the the stiff arm on Chris Conte that's been played everywhere over and over against uh, in the Tampa Bay Monday Night game. He did that uh, you know on national TV. But he's still thirty seven hundred. Uh, last two weeks he has uh, you know nine catches for one hundred and seventy four yards and a touchdown, so he's been really good. And I think that if you want to get a piece of this game and not pay for it, I think he's a perfect spot to do that. You know, he's, you can save him some money in a game that could approach 60 points in, in overall scoring. Uh, it's hard to get away from Vance McDonald this week, even though I'm not a big fan of his overall NFL and Jesse James is still there, but clearly Vance McDonald's the receiving guy. He's got five targets each of the last three games heavily involved in this offense. It's hard not to want a piece of that.
2: It's kind of like that. Or if you wanted to go cheaper, if you had a strong lean in the Cincinnati Miami game between the two tight ends, that'll get to replace Tyler Eifert. That's the other way to save a lot at that position.
1: yeah it is I'm just not, I'm not con, I'm not convinced one of those guys can take more of the targets. I like Tyler Croft more probably as a overall receiver than CJ Uzama but uh, I think Vance McDonald in a game that uh, has this many points is just a better option.
2: I keep waiting for Jonu Smith to show up too, but that falls under the <laughs> Titans bills Ignore fest
1: yeah I, I was excited about Jonu Smith taking over for Delaney Walker a couple weeks ago and he has done absolutely nothing with that.
2: No, that's the kind of guy that I'm. I'm waiting for someone to cut him in the pentathlon. I think he's still owned. At least he was at last glance, or he was so buried when I looked at free agent tight ends that uh, I didn't even realize it. But there, there's still something there with Johnny Smith. I, I swear, I'm just, I'm just frustrated. I can't really play him anywhere.
1: Yeah, no, I, I hear you there, and I, I think that uh, you know if you have in a two tight end league like the the pentathlon you mentioned, that's a two tight end league. I think you think you th- keep throwing him out there. Mariota looks so much better last week that uh, maybe Johnny Smith gets involved this week.
2: Yeah, as someone who's throwing Charles Clay out there, I, I would I would love something with upside instead.
1: Uh, yeah, Charles Clay is not not your upside play, uh, no doubt there. But uh, it with the uh, with the two big games, you know, we have Atlanta, Pittsburgh, and and the Raiders and Chargers. Big over under is going to get a lot of popularity. I wonder if our next game maybe flies under the radar a little bit. We have the Packers headed indoors to play the Lions. Green Bay's fared by one over under a fifty one, so a really nice game shoot game. We talk about you know high over under and a low spread. You want that for a back and forth shootout kind of game. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, has, since he got hurt, has not been worth the price. He has not been especially effective from a, a fantasy perspective the last three weeks. He's 8,400 on FanDuel this week. Um, I always like that for a stud coming off some bad games at, at a high price. You kind of keep that percentage down. But my concern with Rodgers this week, and I'll let you talk about the Packers. You know them better than I do. I just wonder about the passing tree right now. It feels limited if uh, Randall Cobb doesn't play, if Geronimo a- Allison doesn't play. I just wonder how much air a- rod has to work with to, to really go
2: off. Yeah, the report that I'm seeing this afternoon is that Equinemia St. Brown was taking the bulk of the reps of the first-team cool. offense on Thursday, Fancy. and Adams was banged up. He's barely—St. Brown's played, I think, fewer snaps than both Jamon Moore and Marquez Valdez-Scantling so far. Valdez-Scantling ran the wrong route at least twice, and one of those times it was a, a pick-six that <laughs> oh. bounced off someone's chest. Rogers and, loves that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's the that's the quickest path into the the Rogers doghouse. I mean, Jeff Janis lived there for like three years, so <laughs> I'm sure there's an Xbox in there and and probably some some good snacks. But St. Brown was the prospect of the of the three that I was kind of the most intrigued by. He was the one they drafted the latest. They drafted J.K. Scott, their punter, before Equinemius St. Brown. So, you know, that probably explains why St. Brown's been active for one of the first four games. But they they're pretty banged up at receiver. So even if Adams is good to go with that calf injury. Geronimo Allison's in the concussion protocol. Randall Cobb suffered a hamstring injury in practice last week. There's a lot of targets up for grabs. They're probably going to force feed Jimmy Graham a bit. There's a lot to go around, though, if this game plays out as a shootout. My general kind of question that – I don't know if there's an answer to this question right now that anybody other than Mike McCarthy could answer. Is Ty Montgomery going to see some snaps at wide receiver? I mean, like, it's that sort of dire situation, and – Is this going to be a game where they do lean on a more run-heavy attack? They do decide to give Aaron Jones 15, 18, maybe even 20 carries as a way of of kind of taking some of the pressure off of their passing game because of all the personnel they're missing. It absolutely makes sense to do that based on how bad the Lions have been against the run, even beyond what Zeke did to them last week. This is a team that's giving up 5.3 yards per carry this season.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that was kind of what I looked at with the Detroit defense is how thrashed they've been getting on the rush D. And Aaron Jones, 6,100 fan duel, 40% of the snaps last week in second game back. He's obviously the more explosive guy in that backfield. But the Montgomery question interesting. I think that for tournaments, you know, figuring out if Randall Cobb doesn't play and Jordan Allison doesn't play, figuring out who gets those targets, you know, aside from Devontae Adams is going to be really important. You mentioned uh, Marquez Valdez. Scandley. I had him noted here to ask you about uh, because you were at the game. Uh, your uh, your your response about him running the wrong route twice kind of answers that but he had 54 snaps last week you know getting in this offense and just seeing the field is really important especially when there's so many targets available you mentioned Equinemius St. Brown you know hasn't hasn't had a target yet this year but uh, if he's running at the ones it's kind of interesting i mean those those are both guys you could save a lot of money with to try and pay up for all those uh, all those Falcons and Steelers and Raiders and Chargers
2: and even Rodgers himself is is cheap but if you if you're just not believing in the passing game as a whole and you're looking for the cheap pass catcher that might get you six or seven targets, maybe get a touchdown and and not have full investment in that passing game. That absolutely makes sense because of the flexibility it gives you elsewhere.
1: So is this kind of a situation where you want to, you know, read the reports on on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday and kind of see who's taking those snaps a second wide receiver and then maybe, uh, maybe attack some of those guys in tournaments?
2: Yeah, I don't feel like I can even really give anyone legitimate advice on what to do right now because Friday's practice is going to be critically important to get a better sense of who's actually – gonna be out there. I mean we may have to wait until Sunday morning to get the final word on some of those players and, and that's gonna cause a lot of last minute pivots. But I'm really curious to see if the St. Brown first team offense thing, if that holds up, because I still think he's the most talented of the three receivers that they drafted. That's uh
1: that's at Derek Van Riper on Twitter for late uh, late Packers receiver info over the weekend.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah the 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 many questions I will receive will probably be uh probably be pretty interested in in my last second assessment of what they're going to do.
1: So for the Lions, uh, Matthew Stafford uh, not too expensive on FanDuel 7600. He has multiple TD passes in, against the Packers in seven straight games. Uh, pretty impressive. The Green Bay secondary is pretty beat up. They are attackable right now. Stafford's an interesting play. Is there anybody in particular you like you like pairing him up with? I think that's the hard part of this Lions' offense. You've got uh, you got Marvin Jones, you have Golden Tate, you have Kenny Galladay. You know Tate's the guy that uh, you know sees he has at least six catches in every game. The slot guys have been really good against the Packers so far this year, but Galladay's got the nice upside. You know, again, injured secondary for the Packers. He's been quietly consistent. Uh, I was surprised when I looked at Galladay. I thought, I thought he was a little more of a boomer bust guy, kind of on an eye test. But he has, uh, he, has he has 53 yards in, almost, in every game so far. You know, at least that that's his lowest game. And he scored in that one, so he's kind of been good fantasy wise in every game. Uh, if you go Stafford, is there a, is there a preferred uh, kind of link up for you in the in the in the Lions pass offense?
2: I think it's still Tate in cash games. Uh, I think the, the volume he's going to get most weeks makes him the most stable of those options. I think in tournaments, you can go Galladay or Jones. I think you can make a, a case for both to be possibly useful in this matchup. If the Packers offense can put it a points on the board, that opens up even more attempts for Stafford. Jones has been really quiet so far this season. I, I don't really... I don't really know if, if that's indicative of what's going to happen every week going forward or if that's just been the byproduct of, of Galladay's early success, but Jones has 15 catches so far in four games. I mean, that's just a, a much lighter output than I expected. I know that puts him on the same pace as last year, about 60 catches, but he's only going to get about 900 yards at his current pace. The yards per target number jumped up to 10.3 last year. He had 20 catches that went for 20 or more yards out of those 61 receptions. He's at three out of 15 so far this season. So those big plays have not been there. But the Packers, their secondary leaks a lot of big plays. You know, Kevin King probably coming back this week. That certainly helps. But this matchup for that Green Bay secondary is a very tough one because they do not have a lot of depth right now at corner and at safety. So
1: on the on the run side of the ball, I've been a little frustrated with, uh, with the carry-on Johnson usage the last couple of weeks. He looked so good on that first, uh, the first drive they had against Dallas. He ripped up a 32-yard run on I think it was like the first play of the game, and then later on he had his touchdown run. He like he broke one tackle then ran over a guy at the goal line, so he's looked good. But then I look up and he played 20 snaps the whole game. He had nine rushes, you know, 55 yards and a touchdown, so it was good. But and the week before that he had 16 carries only, but 101 yards, only 33 snaps. I just wish they would give him the ball more, and you know, I know Legarrette Blount has his value and what he could do with the goal line, but it seems like it seems like they could use Carryon Johnson a lot more, and he'd be a really nice play. But at sixty one hundred Fanduel, I just I'm not sure where the usage is there enough for me to really play him.
2: I want them to go like sixty five plus percent of the carries. I mean, I think he's proven he deserves that. Yeah, it's just a guessing game as to whether or not it's this week or not, Green Bay. Nothing scary against the run. They lost Muhammad Wilkerson a couple weeks ago, so that's a key piece on the defensive line that I think makes them a little bit weaker up front. Uh, I, I think this is a team you you can run on. I just think the it, it all comes down to Jim Bob Cooter and, and Matt Patricia. What are their designs for their running game? The price is fair. The talent is absolutely there, uh, and, and the matchup's not a bad one.
1: I love his actual real name is Jim Bob Cooter.
2: I can't believe that's actually a grown man's real name.
1: <laughs> it's beautiful. It's uh, it, it's perfect. I, lo- I love every time watching Lions game when they when they scan to him just so I can I can laugh about that. Uh, moving on to the next game with the Dolphins at Cincinnati. We mentioned this game earlier. Kind of a surprisingly high over under in this game, forty nine and a half. On the Miami side, you know, good game script for the passing game. They are they are six and a half point underdogs. Good over under. Ryan Tannehill was terrible last week against the Patriots. 100 yards passing, zero touchdowns. Had been good before that. Had you know had that big game against the Raiders where he threw a bunch of touchdowns and was just so bad last week. Cincinnati's allowed multiple pass touchdowns each game. They've been pretty thrashed in the pass pass defense. Over 300 yards passing in three of those four games. Uh, with this high over under, with this game script, are you looking at all the Dolphins pass offense? Kind of a uh, maybe a low percentage, sneaky uh, shootout kind of game.
2: I think it's the usual Kenny Stills or bust yeah. sort of uh, approach if you're going to use a dolphin. I I think I mentioned this last week. They just they chop up the targets and the snaps in a way where you just don't get that much separation. You got a bunch of guys that get used a little bit. They all take away value from each other. The running games where things have gone completely off the rails. Of what is going on with Kenyon Drake right now? I mean, it, it it was one of those things where I didn't I didn't love him as a third-round pick when draft season started. The more I looked at him, the more I kind of fell in love with the idea that he was a big play guy that was kind of game script proof and a focal point in their offense. But what on earth are they doing with him usage-wise these last two games especially?
1: He has eight carries total the last two weeks.
2: Why? Like, what is the reason for that?
1: I mean, I guess last week they got down against New England pretty quickly, but, I mean, the Oakland game was kind of back and forth. They were down a little bit, had to catch up. But eight carries, I mean, even if you game scripted out of something, you know, at least you should get he should get eight carries in the first half.
2: Right, you should get eight before the game script is bad. And exactly. Then if you're Kenyon Drake, you should catch five, six, seven passes in the second half when you're playing from behind like that. That's he, he that's caught, something he was doing on a regular basis last year.
1: He caught one ball last week in a game that they trailed the whole day.
2: That does that makes no sense to me. Like, is Adam Gaze like a bottom three head coach right now? Like how does is there some kind of like Jay Ajayi situation there where he doesn't like Kenyon Drake? Like there's there has to be something else going on that we don't know about because on its face the usage does not make sense
1: uh it, it really doesn't i mean I, I think frank gore played more more snaps last week and he he had three targets so a little bit more than, than drake's too but it's not like it's not like gore's getting the ball a ton and and, and kind of killing him it just seems like they're just gone away from it and last week they got Al out of sorts but i mean i just don't know how you have 100 yards passing in a game where you trail the whole game that seems almost impossible in today's nfl
2: this is dumb because, like, when when Costanza wanted to get fired by the Yankees, at least he <laughs> put on Babe Ruth's uniform and ate strawberries and you know <laughs> dragged a World Series trophy around the parking lot. But if you if you want to like flip off your employer using Goer more than Kenyon Drake is really a, a stupid rebellion. Like it's just like firing yourself from future jobs too.
1: Yeah, that's uh, Drake's been been frustrating, been a draft bust in a in a big way. I just I can't believe it. the guy has six yards rushing the last two weeks total.
2: Yeah, he's uh, he's the <laughs> third pick I made on the the Mixon Bell beat DVR league team. So you can imagine how that team's doing.
1: Oh, that's uh, yeah. Starting with Bell and then Kenyon Drake is uh, is not a uh, formula for success the first month of the season.
2: I felt good about the Mixon pick though in between and until he got hurt. So yeah, maybe maybe that team's on the upswing. Maybe that team wins some like late season uh, consolation money or something.
1: I actually, I actually won the consolation bracket in the online uh, three years ago, out of nowhere, just totally shocked. It didn't. I kind of knew it was a thing, but didn't really know it was a thing. I set my lineup, and uh, three weeks into the four weeks, I was surprised I was up there. And then Odell Beckham had like nine thousand yards the last three weeks to a huge. But I actually won the consolation bracket that a couple years ago, so it is a real thing.
2: It is a real thing. It pays out, and I'm looking at you, Le'Veon Bell. This is all you. <laughs>
1: uh, well, you mentioned Joe Mixon, the Cincinnati side of the ball. It looks like he will return this week. Uh, I kind of feel like uh, with him and Gio Bernard kind of splitting work this week, I kind of think that both of those are probably not a play for me in DFS.
2: Gio's got a knee injury, so I want to see how that plays out. He did yeah. not practice on Thursday. If he sits Friday, that maybe jumps up yeah. my increase. Uh, in- increases my interest, rather, in, in Joe Mixon. Uh, but if they're both out there i think you got that situation red right where there's not a ton to get excited about i cut bernard in a 10 team league with shallow benches today because with Mixon back in a 10 team league how often do you throw in geo bernard in your lineup
1: shallow bench nfl uh, fantasy leagues are really tough i've i've realized that the last couple of years i played in a couple of their shallow benches it's making tough to cut decisions is, is really difficult
2: yeah i i think it's one of the overlooked and under-discussed aspects of fantasy football right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I play a lot of NFFC where the where the bench is huge. It's not really an issue, and I, I kind of like the other way because you get you get a lot of interesting names on the waiver wire, and you got to make tough decisions, especially when the buys and injuries hit.
2: Yeah, it generates more fab action too. Yeah.
1: Um. So on the Cincinnati side of the ball, the passing game. Uh, Andy Dalton has multiple touchdowns in each game. He has three plus in, in two of those four games maybe a poor game script than usual with them as a, as almost a seven point uh, favorite, but you know, Miami gave up, Miami's uh, pasties kind of been uh, kind of a good, except you look closer and they, they give 334 yards to Sam Darnold. They give 345 to Derek Carr and then three touchdowns last week to Tom Brady to a Pat's pass offense that had been struggling and, you know, still didn't have Julian Edelman on it. And Josh Gordon played very limited uh, snaps, but, so if you pair Dalton with somebody, 7,500, you know, hard to play him when everybody wants to go Ryan and Roethlisberger. But on the receiving side, uh, do you like A.J. Green this week? Going to be low percent with all those, uh, you know, we mentioned Julio Jones, Antonio Brown popular. Uh, or do you go back to Tyler Boyd? Still 6,200 on FanDuel. Been a been a monster the last couple of weeks.
2: Generally, I don't worry about A.J. Green in a tough matchup. But Xavier Howard has been good this yep. year. And and that might take away some of the appeal from Green. So I think for for tournament purposes – uh, going after Tyler Boyd, maybe it's even more of like a cash game savings purpose. He's just in this weird place price-wise right now. 5700 on DraftKings, 6300 on FanDuel. I'm not really sure what to do with him. The ownership rate on DraftKings was really high in the Millie Maker. He was at 30.3% Oof. last week. That'll come down in this matchup. But for a team with an implied total like right around 27, someone's going to have to produce points this week in Cincinnati. And, or or this game hits the under. I mean, that's that's the other possible outcome. Um, so it, it's kind of tricky. I, I think, I think Boyd's the player I'm most interested in out of those pass catchers this week.
1: Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, 15 targets last week, he had 11 catches for a hundred yards. I mean, that's just in a full PPR. I mean, that's just a monster, monster week and six for 132 the week before that he's been, he's been taken over in the offense We mentioned last week, you know, this is a guy that was a, a big prospect coming out of pit. He was a second round pick, I believe. Um, so, you know, not someone coming out of nowhere, a talented guy. Uh, if you're playing in a tournament, I think AJ Green, uh, you talked about him a little bit, is is really interesting just because of the fact that he's got to be crazy low percent. You mentioned Xavier Howard, and you know, obviously a lot of people are talking about him this week. Uh, you know, they've uh, Miami's had yet to face an elite wide receiver one, unless you put Amari Cooper in there. I probably don't quite yet, but he has been really good. We got Antonio Brown, we got Julio Jones, we got Eldo Beckham, we got Keenan Allen, all over eight thousand on FanDuel that are going to be higher percent than, than Green. Uh, I wonder if he slides through it like five percent in something like the Sunday Million.
2: Yeah, he'll be low on FanDuel. I think he'll get a little bit bumped up on DraftKings because he's 7,200 over
1: there. Oh, yeah, that, uh, that'll definitely make a difference. I think on FanDuel, if you want a low-percentage guy uh, that, that has a chance to go crazy, it's AJ Green. Now, obviously, a risky play, only a tournament guy, but um, he's going to be super low percent.
2: Yeah, it's a great test for Howard, by the way. I, I want to see how that matchup plays out.
1: So moving to the afternoon games, we mentioned a little bit uh, the Raiders and Chargers. Over-under's really big at 53.5. Chargers are favored by five. Uh, really interesting game, especially on the Raiders side. Great game script. You got almost a touchdown underdog, big over under. Uh, David Carr. I mean, you talk about game script. Two hundred eighty-eight yards in every game. He had three forty-seven and four thirty-seven the last two weeks. He went crazy against Cleveland. He only had two touchdowns the first two weeks, and then threw four against the Browns. Are you are you a Derek Carr believer in this John Gruden offense? Do you think last week was kind of fluky against the Browns, and maybe goes back to not throwing as many touchdowns? Where do you fall on Carr going forward? You know, obviously for DFS, but obviously going forward, do you think this is a real thing in this offense?
2: I think this defense he's facing is legitimately broken and can be exploited. Uh, I think I'm still looking at Carr as like a league-average sort of quarterback, but league-average quarterbacks can go off in, in great setups, and that's exactly what he has this week the ownership trends on Derek Carr and the Millie maker to this point, you know, week one, they had the second Monday night game. So he wasn't part of the Millie maker. He's been at 0.65%, 0.68% and 1.32% in the last three weeks. Like nobody, nobody has wanted to use Derek Carr so far. This is the week where I think it it ticks up probably into like the seven to 10% range. I I wouldn't be surprised if it's at the lower end of that span. But I I think this is the week where people are going to start to say, okay, He's good enough. The price is low enough. This opens up the interesting possibilities elsewhere for the Julios and, and the Antonio Browns, all those expensive guys that we like. This is one way to start getting there, to save up on Carr and to pair him with Amari Cooper.
1: So you, uh, it sounds like you like Cooper this week. Do you uh, Do you like a, a pairing of Carr with Jared Cook? A huge game last week, 13 targets, 8 catches, 110 yards, and 2 touchdowns, you know. Jared Cook has been a guy that we've kind of been waiting for forever. He had some had some big games in Green Bay. Had that, obviously, uh, the huge play in that playoff game uh, from Rodgers. But you know he's had two big games, two middling games, but 35 targets in four weeks. He's clearly part of their offense. Great game script. Allows you to save some money from uh, from Cooper if you were to go down to Cook. Uh, how do you feel about a Carr-Cook uh, stack?
2: I feel better about the, the Carr-Cooper one. Okay. And with Cook, I mean, I think you brought this up a few weeks ago. The... Chargers have figured out Travis Kelsey. Oh yeah. Like if you can figure out Travis Kelsey, you can take away Jared Cook, right? Like that. That seems logical. Maybe you don't play him the same way because you're not worried about him doing the same things. But I I don't I don't trust Jared Cook yet. Like I talk about a player that that the fantasy community has had an up and down relationship with over the years. Like, oh yeah. He's he's just trolling us right now. Like this is <laughs> this isn't real. This this can't be real.
1: And it's funny you mentioned the tight ends kelsey had one for six against them clay had under 30 yards uh the rams had nothing but and last week george kittle went crazy but it was that one big play it was an 83 yard touchdown so aside from that one big play it didn't do a lot but you know you look at stats against tight ends and they obviously bump up based on that kittle play last week and i don't know if you saw that play but uh george kills fast
2: george kittle can run
1: yes he can really run <laughs>
2: Yeah, he. I think I don't know if people just see like Iowa tight end. They're like Scott Chandler. And it's like yeah. no, no, he's not Scott Chandler. By the way, I saw someone wearing a Bills Scott Chandler jersey at Lambeau.
1: You did not. You're making that up.
2: That every Bills fan I saw, every group of Bills fans, like you could just see money spent very poorly on on all of them. Did just, you just did you see terrible like, jersey choices?
1: Was anyone like jumping through tables and doing wrestling moves through fire or anything though?
2: We walk past a Bill's tailgate. Like there's this pizza place that we we park our car at and you get twenty bucks off your pizza for parking there for twenty nice. bucks. So that's kind of a it's basically free parking. That works. If you like pizza. Yeah. So we're walking by and there's a, a whole lot of Bills fans in this one area. There was a broken table <laughs> out by the curb. So they did break <laughs> a table at some point before Amazing. that game kicked off. And it was just like there were, like, buffalo wing bones scattered about the parking lot, cups, cans, <laughs> bottles. It, it, I've never seen anything like it. And I, <laughs> I kind of looked, looked around. I'm like, wait, is this what we do every week? And I looked, and there's houses across the street, not a piece of trash in anyone's yard, people that had been outside that were drinking, partying. There was, like, no evidence of anything else. But the Bills fans just, <laughs> like, trashed the place. So walking back out later, walked past the same lot. Someone's mom, like, there. This was like a full on, like, (laughs) wedding crashers, uh, Chaz situation where, like, someone's mother follows the Bills tailgate around and cleans it all up. There's this old lady in this old, old, like, Bills leather jacket cleaning up all the garbage, like, all of it was bagged up by the end of the game. So, I don't know what they've got going on in the Bills (laughs) mafia right now, but they did destroy a table. I didn't see any fire. And I saw more terrible jerseys in one week <laughs> than I've ever seen in my life at that game on Sunday. That is a truly beautiful story. I, I hope I hope people enjoyed it. it I love it. One hundred percent true.
1: Uh, so on the Chargers' side of the ball, uh, we've uh, we talked about Keenan Allen a little bit. I really like him this week. Uh, under seventy yards last two weeks, no touchdowns, but twenty-five targets in that stretch. Oakland has not allowed a 100-yard wide receiver yet. They've been pretty good against uh, wide receivers, but five wide receiver touchdowns the last two weeks, a lot of that was in that Miami game where they gave up a lot of big plays. Um, I really like uh, attacking Rivers and Allen this week. I think they'll be a little lower percentage than than usual just based on the fact that uh, Steelers-Falcons game is on the slate. Rivers has multiple touchdowns in every game. Uh, again, Oakland hasn't allowed a 300-yard passer, but they've allowed seven TD passes. So they've, they've given up points, just maybe not the yards. They've also faced Jared Goff, which is obviously really good, but they've also faced Baker Mayfield, Ryan Tannehill, and Case Keenum. So they haven't fully been tested since week one. Uh, are you with me on the on the Rivers' Allen stack? I, I really like that, especially in a cash game.
2: Yeah, it, it's like a, a rich man's car, Cooper. I mean, I think yeah. the, the volume's there, the production's there. There's not much to worry about in the matchup. Uh, it's just a case of... If you can afford it with the other pieces you're going to have in your lineup, you're paying up an extra 1500 on DraftKings for car compare, for Rivers compared to Carr. Uh, it's a $1,200 price difference with Rivers being more expensive at 8200 on FanDuel. I like the plays. It just makes things a little tighter elsewhere.
1: Yeah, it does. And I, like I said, I think that Allen's percentage will not get too sky high just based on the fact that Julio and Antonio Brown are going to be there. Uh, on the running back side, if you wanted to spend some money at running back, you know I think a lot of people are going to be spending money on receiver and quarterback this week. Uh, Melvin Gordon, 8,700 on FanDuel. Hasn't topped 15 carries yet, but a lot of targets. He's really involved in the passing game. They dump down to him, especially at the goal line. He has 34 car- thirty four targets in four weeks. He has five touchdowns for the first four weeks of the season. Oakland gave up uh, 22 to 80, 22 carries on 82 yards to Carlos Hyde last week. But you look at Nick Chubb, three carries for 105 yards and two touchdowns. He had two huge plays. Oakland's allowed a 100-yard rusher in three of the four weeks. I wonder if with all the people attacking all the passing offenses this week, if Melvin Gordon maybe slides through at a lower percentage on FanDuel, especially at 8700 and really goes crazy.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that high price steers people away even though the usage is consistent 5.6 yards per carry allowed by the Raiders run defense so far. That is very soft. Big plays, touchdowns, high-scoring game, close game. Everything you're looking for is right there and when you compare him to, you know, Kamara who's in the Monday night game this week and uh, the other high-end backs even Zeke who's in the Sunday night game, a couple of those guys go away if you're not playing the all-week sort of slate. Right. And and I think that too you know, is one of those things where the idea of paying up for a top running back may just kind of escape some people. I think a lot of the attention is going to be concentrated on Christian McCaffrey because he's cheaper than Gordon, so that's certainly a good thing if you want to have Gordon this week.
1: If you want to go, uh, you want to go straight up uh, head versus head. I'll take Gordon over McCaffrey this week. I think he outscores him this week
2: um nope i'm not that guy <laughs>
1: <laughs> i didn't mean especially with you. That, I meant, with you i meant i meant in, i meant in general if uh, if you're comparing those guys and deciding which one to go with the top end uh, i really like gordon this week i think he slides through at a pretty good percentage and i think he did he has a he has a big game this week
2: yeah you are gonna have to reach out to at scott jenstead on twitter to get that action
1: <laughs> great so people are looking at you for bill's mafia story and me for uh, me for melvin gordon action fantastic bill's um,
2: mafia is ticked off at me because I, I just outed them for making their mother clean up their tailgate messes.
1: <laughs> I love it. Uh, next game we'll, we'll hit really quickly. Uh, Cardinals at the 49ers. Uh, 49ers are your favorite in this game, even with uh, CJ with at quarterback. The Cardinals have obviously been really bad all year. Uh, over under only 41 in this game. Anyone on the Arizona side that's, uh, that, you, that you like at all in a, in, a, in a tournament? Obviously no cash game plays
2: there. I think David Johnson, again, maybe I'm just a total idiot for continuing (laughs) to go back to the well, but he can't be this bad all season, and the usage has to go up. It just, it it absolutely, he got 112 yards last week, got the usage. So I think you're going to see more of that, but I just wonder if because he had the 25 touches in week four, if that's going to pull the ownership rate up. He was at 8.8% last week in the Millionaire Maker. Would you take the over on that in this matchup against San Francisco?
1: Uh, I would take the, uh, I'd probably say right, right around there. I think he's between seven and 10%, which is a, an interesting play when, you know, the Niners have given up five touchdowns total to running backs the last two weeks. Uh, Melvin Gordon had 160 yards total last week in a touchdown. Uh, I think at that percentage, he becomes a pretty interesting play, And I don't think he climbs much higher than that.
2: Yeah, that's a good price on Johnson then. I mean, it's You'd think they'd see that Melvin Gordon was catching a lot of passes and and very effective that way. And then they would copy that with a guy that can catch passes and do things out in space. But I I take absolutely nothing for granted with the Arizona offense. I assume nothing in terms of their patterns of usage.
1: Yeah, at least he had 22 carries and four targets last week. So that's, uh, you know, with Josh Rosen starting the game. So maybe that's a little bit optimistic there. It's funny, you and I talked about, uh, we've talked about Christian Kirk and Taylor Gabriel last week as, as the uh, the cheap receivers, especially in DraftKings. Gabriel went crazy, but Christian Kirk, who I know I liked a little bit more, I liked both of them, but I liked Kirk a little more, was really disappointing. Do uh, you go back to Kirk at all this week? Uh, the Niners have been, you know, have trouble with slot receivers. Akella Witherspoon has been terrible. They have a lot of injuries in the secondary. Richard Sherman's not going to play again. Uh, he, had, he had he had five targets last week, eight the week before. He's still 3,700 on DraftKings. I think I'm going back to Christian Kirk this week. It's kind of a uh, big-time money saver so i get some of the expensive guys in
2: yeah i would say of your your sub four thousand dollar receivers he's still very interesting of course it's tournaments only ownership rate was low last week three percent up from you know 0.0 in the previous two weeks but uh yeah san francisco has given up 11 passing tds this year only one interception 102.4 passer rating allowed the reports on rosen were favorable i didn't get a chance to go back and and watch that game if you are buying into the idea that he's going to move the ball, be competent enough to to get this team up and down the field a bit. Kirk should be a part of that. I mean, he's, he's the two behind fits. David Johnson's going to get his, but there could be enough to sustain three players this week.
1: On the Niner side of the ball, I think I think Matt Breida is the most interesting one. He's he's kind of separating himself a bit from Alfred Morris. Uh, he's really involved in the, in the past game. He has between 12 and 14 touches each of the last three, so consistent work. But, Still kind of low-touch. He needs a big play to make it work, but he has been able to do that a couple times. But probably the best game script they've had, probably. They're four-point favorites in this game. They were favored against Detroit also, but uh, and that, that was a pretty good game because they got ahead early, but then uh, you know almost got caught late. But uh, the, the Cardinals allowed 21 carries, 101 yards, and two touchdowns to Mike Davis last week, of all people. So you got to be interested in a little bit in Breida.
2: Yeah, I, I like Breeda quite a bit. They've had a really tough schedule to start the year oh, at Minnesota, yeah, at Kansas gross. City, at the Chargers, which not a hostile environment, but a team that puts points on the board. Uh, probably the least hostile environment that American football's ever been played in, to be that, completely that honest. Pla-
1: that place was all red last week,
2: and it, it's not. It's not even because it's a soccer stadium. It's just because like Chargers fans just don't show up. No. Like, that's that's why it's like it's so easy to go in there as a as a road team right now. So, yeah, one game at home against the Lions where they were you know, in a good spot. Uh, things are going to open up as the skis and rolls along. Things could do get a little easier for some of these matchups looking ahead. I, I like Breed. I think he's a player on the rise. I think he's kind of like a McKinnon sort of clone because they can use him a lot more like they would have used McKinnon if McKinnon would not have been hurt. Uh, as you know, as compared to like Alfred Morris, who's just a totally different back, like just so much less dynamic and. I, I thought we'd get a little more out of Alfred Morris. I don't know if, if he's been game scripted out a little bit, and that's part of why the production's been disappointing. Maybe there's going to be a handful of weeks uh, in the next few where he pops up and, and has some flex appeal, but I think it's a breed or bust right now with the San Francisco offense.
1: Yeah, my only other guy I'll mention here is George Kittle. I think he's been a little bit, a little bit quiet, kind of how good he's been. He has... Uh, he has three different games where he has seven or more targets. And then in those three games, he has 79 or more yards. I had the big play last week. We mentioned that, you know, he ran away from that Chargers secondary. I was I was shocked how fast he was compared to the safety for the Chargers. Uh, super involved. He, you know, he's played 50 snaps in every game. He's the one guy in that passing game right now that seems to be really involved in target, especially with Marquise Goodwin now has a quad injury and a hamstring injury. Uh, Kittleby kind of kind of becomes their big play down the field guy. And, you know, in a tournament, I, I could I could see using him at tight end and hope for a couple big plays.
2: I wonder if his ownership rate gets crazy high because of the Kelsey Jags matchup, Gronk playing Thursday, uh, Jordan Reed being part of the Monday game. There's a lot of little things that just take away some of those top end options. And I think because of the big touchdown last week, people are going to get back on board with Kittle. They're going to cite the uh, relationship with Beathard, as two players from Iowa. Like they're, they're just going to be kind of interested in him again because he was an industry pet player coming into the season. I just think people are looking for reasons to like him, even though those reasons are legit.
1: Did you see it? Did you see Shanahan's press comments where he made the, the CJ Bathard George Kittle joke?
2: <laughs> no, she, I I really wish when when Shanahan uh, was hired by the Niners, I wish the Packers had fired Mike McCarthy and hired hired, <laughs> hired Kyle Shanahan.
1: They uh, they asked Shanahan about about Kittle's low uh, receiving numbers in Iowa and kind of what happened there, and he said, "Tug in cheek." Well, he didn't have a good quarterback throwing him the ball. <laughs> Well done. I thought it was I thought it was beautiful. So, uh, next game we got and it's kind of an interesting one to me, especially if you're looking to maybe find a sneaky game stack with a game that's not one of the high over under ones. It's Minnesota at Philadelphia. over uh, over/unders only 45 in this game. Nice low spread. Philadelphia's favored by 3. I wonder on both these defenses if maybe they're not quite as good as we thought they were to start the season.
2: Minnesota the numbers absolutely bear it out, I think with uh the Eagles defense, you look a little closer, 7.3 yards per attempt so far, 92.7 passer rating allowed. Certainly not locked down, but not not getting exposed quite the same way. Carson Wentz does seem like he's flying under the radar right now. Do you just pair him up with Zach Ertz, given the, the at tight end this week? Is that the, the pairing that you feel best about as far as Wentz's pass catchers are concerned?
1: Yeah, I mean, look at Ertz, and for a tight end, the the targets are just amazingly consistent. He's the only tight end in the NFL with double-digit targets every week. Still hasn't had to score a touchdown, so it's kind uh, kind of kept it under the radar how good he's been. He had 10 catches for 112 yards last week. I don't know that I'm stacking him with Carson Wentz, but I'm certainly going to try and play Ertz. And I think with all the expensive wide receivers, I think he's going to slide through a pretty decent percentage, especially on Fandor's 7,500. He's really expensive there. Uh, I think he might get Ertz at a really nice percentage in this late game that I think is going to turn into a little bit of a shootout. Uh, I kind of like getting Ertz in some lineups.
2: Yeah, Minnesota coming off the disappointing loss to Buffalo. Uh, a Pretty well played, but still, I mean, well played in terms of they they moved the ball against the Rams. Still lost. That game against Los Angeles, this is kind of a big one for them. they got to snap a little skid here.
1: Yeah, I agree there. And I think it was kind of everybody, you know, was jumping on how good the Rams offense played that game. And they did. I think it was hidden how good Kirk Cousins was in that game. He had a a number of passes that were like over linebacker's hand, you know, in front of the DB for perfect play. And, you know, he had 422 yards and three touchdowns against the Rams, who are, you know, probably the second best defense in the NFL behind Jacksonville. Uh, you look at the you look at the at the Vikings offense. You know, Cousins is seventy seven hundred on Fanduel. Could be an interesting kind of fade away from that Roethlisberger and Matt Ryan plays. You look at their receivers though. Adam Thielen, crazy how good he's been, how consistent. He has at least twelve targets in every game and over hundred yards in each of the first four weeks.
2: Yeah, I love the way they're using him right now. Uh, if you're choosing between Thielen and Diggs this week, which is a question pretty much every single week, yeah, is Thielen the guy that you prefer to pair with Cousins or do you even play as a as a standalone play?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't really think it's hard to come up with a preference there. I mean, Stefan Diggs has been a target monster the last three weeks 13, 10, and 15 in those three games. Two of those games over 100 yards. Um, I think both those guys are in play. I think both of them are very playable. They're expensive. They're 82 and 8300 on FanDuel. And we kind of get in that same range of, you know, is everybody going to have Julio and Antonio Brown? These guys have got to slide through. There's got to be some low percentage guys in this range. There's so many guys over 8,000 that are interesting this week. And you got Diggs, you got Thielen, you got Odell, you got AJ Green, you got Keenan Allen. All those guys. Some people are going to have to sneak through at low percentages, right?
2: Yeah, they're going to have to. And I think for for GPP purposes especially, because of the way the slate breaks down, it's really easy to start fading the Steelers-Falcons game, uh, especially just because you, you you can fall back and still match their production at a lower price. I mean, that game could go off, but you could still beat those scores.
1: Yep. Yeah, this is the game that uh, I'm going to really take a hard look at. I think this is the game that uh, I'm going to look to to play some guys on that you know should be low percentage. Overruns is only 45. I like uh, I like Cousins, one of the receivers. I like Zach Ertz. Uh, talking about Alshon Jeffrey, though, uh, he looked really good in his first game. 6,800 on Fandle, so the price is coming up a little bit. He had uh, he had nine targets week one, eight catches, 105, 105 yards in a touchdown. Uh, he does get Xavier Rhodes' uh, matchup most likely, but he had five catches for 85 yards and two touchdowns against the Vikings last year. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, 6,800 is going to be really low-owned, and it might be an interesting guy in a game that I think uh, goes over the number.
2: Do you go cash and GPP or just GPPs for Jeffrey?
1: Just GPPs for me.
2: Yeah, there is, there is a good amount of risk there with Rhodes, but that he's torched that defense in the not-so-distant past does make me a bit more optimistic about him.
1: Yeah, uh, me too. Anybody else in this game aside from uh, the receivers and Ertz and the quarterbacks we talked about? I, I think both running backs. Uh, you know, Dalvin Cook. Who knows on the workload? He's he's coming back off the injury. You know, he may not play as you mentioned earlier. Latavius Murray could be interesting there. Jay Ajayi, 15 carries last week. But uh, you know, if I'm going to attack Minnesota, I think it's through the air right now and not on the ground.
2: Yeah, they've been so much worse through the air that uh, you just just be smart about it. You're getting a low ownership anyway, so don't don't go even more contrarian and go with the running backs in this one.
1: Yeah, I I agree there, but uh, I think this is a really fun game, interesting game, you know, maybe the one that looked a little better a few weeks ago before both these teams started struggling a little bit, but I think for DFS purposes, I think it's a, it's a sneaky one to attack in my book.
2: Yeah, I think you are you're right to feature this one.
1: So, last game of the day, uh one that probably looked a little better a few weeks ago when uh, we thought the Seahawks, uh, you know, might be interesting, uh the Rams at Seattle. Oh, high over under though, 50 and a half in this game. Rams favored by 7. A lot of that over under is built into the Rams offense being ridiculously electric uh, firing on all cylinders right now. Uh, I want to start with the Seattle side. Um, Nice game script. They're seven uh, seven point underdogs. Should be low percentage across the board, but obviously the Rams are a good D. Uh, nobody really jumps out to me on this offense to, to look at. Running backs kind of a mess. So who knows who's going to get carries? Who knows if Chris Carson's going to play? How healthy is Doug Baldwin? I'm sure we know that. Will Disley uh, is, up, is on IR. Russell Wilson has not looked good from a fantasy perspective. Is there anybody on the Seahawks offense in a game that should be a nice game script that you uh, you want to get a low percentage?
2: Mm, maybe Lockett okay. with, with Baldwin back. I think Lockett sees more favorable coverages. You know Baldwin is a target monster, and by all accounts, he was close to 100% healthy last week. It, it just had a, a, a tough setup, so I, I don't know. I, I just think the the problem I have with Seattle, even though the game script sets up nicely, is the Rams I think can do damage up front against a lot of teams, and yep. Seattle's offensive line is weak enough where they can do extra damage in this spot. So it could just be a, a 24 to seven, 31 seven, 31 ten kind of beatdown where Seattle just can't get anything going. You know, it's uh the Brian Schottenheimer restrictor plate is in full effect. I, I tried to be. <laughs> I like that. I tried to be open minded about this. Like I, I tried to look and say, well, Brian Schottenheimer had a pretty bad group of players in Los Angeles. He had Jeff Fisher like, hanging out with him. Like <laughs> Maybe maybe he's not that bad. But increasingly, the 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 decisions made by Seattle just make you think this is not an organization that's as smart as we once thought. Like they they seemingly got lucky. They hit a few. You know, once in every 20 year type players uh, through the draft and, and with that just kind of timed everything perfectly and nothing seems to be the same now as it was three and four years ago for this team.
1: Pretty crazy that the yeah, house house how quickly stuff switches in the NFL because they were like the model franchise three years ago. And all the write-ups on John Schneider and Pete Carroll were so glowing. And three years ago, you know, they were the franchise to model yourself after. And now we're at the point where they've made bad hires. They look bad. You know, they don't, they have Russell Wilson off his rookie contract. Now it's amazing how things change when you got to pay your quarterback 30 million a year instead of 2 million a year.
2: Yes. It, it changes everything really yeah. fast, which kind of makes you wonder with the bears too. It's like if they start to play really well, you know, the Trubisky game last week, everyone excited, if they go down this path where they start looking really good, are we going to look at the bears and say the bears are geniuses? And it's like, eh, they just have a good enough cheap quarterback to have Khalil Mack and to have these other things. They hired a good head coach. I don't know. Yeah. The narratives can change quickly because the league does turn over quickly. I mean, it's all it takes is a few big injuries and, suddenly the foundation of your team is completely different.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at Richard Sherman, and I think was the you know fifth or sixth round, and Doug Baldwin was undrafted, both those guys out of Stanford. I mean, you you fall into a couple of guys like that, and, and suddenly your, your franchise uh, can flip pretty quickly.
2: And you get Wilson in the third round because yeah. he's too short.
1: Yeah, that's a, that worked well, too. So on the Rams side, before we hit their offense to finish this off, I wanted to ask you, you talked about the Seattle offensive line. The Rams defense is 4700 on FanDuel, so they're priced way up. They had four sacks last week against Minnesota. Uh, Seattle offense line has been better the last two weeks, only two sacks in each of the last two weeks, but then six in the first, uh, six each game in the first two weeks. Do you think the Rams defense is is one that you can attack here that might be a little lower percentage than they should be based on the price on FanDuel? And like we said, there's a lot of expensive guys again this week. I got to think people are going to try and save money on defense. Do you think the Rams D kind of slides through to low percentage and becomes a really interesting play?
2: Yeah, I think the Seahawks are tied with the Browns for second most sacks allowed this season. Uh, I think that bodes really well for this Rams front. I think they can keep the points down enough to where you're, you're not really worried about you know, losing yeah. out that way. So this this could be a pretty favorable spot. And I, I would agree with you. I think because there's so much high upside, highest salary uh, chalk to build around, you're not necessarily going to see people paying top dollar for defenses this week.
1: So on the on the Rams offense, I think that, that Thursday night game in Minnesota is fresh in everybody's mind. I, that was about as clinical an offensive performance as I've seen um, in a long time. You know, maybe since like the, the Aaron Rodgers kind of firing on all cylinders days, or um, you look at maybe the Patriots when everybody's healthy. But I mean, that Rams offense looked awesome last week. Jared Goff went crazy. Uh, Earl Thomas is out for the Seahawks, so probably their best defensive player is out. The game script is not great. I mean, the overrunner's high, but they're favored by seven. But I don't know if it matters with this Rams offense. I mean, Sean McVay puts them in so many good spots. I guess the only problem from a DFS side is, you know, are there, are there, the three receivers get a ton of action, so they're all kind of in play. Is there one this week that, that you prefer over the others, or just kind of like trying to figure out who's going to, you know, fall into the touchdowns each week?
2: Yeah, it's just kind of the musical chairs game where you're looking for for where the TDs are coming from. You know, Cooks is pretty affordable, seventy four hundred on DraftKings and and seventy eight hundred on FanDuel for for the number one, kind of with air quotes there. But when you can save almost a thousand on DraftKings, get Woods at sixty five hundred, that becomes a little bit more appealing. And Cooks, C- Cooper Cup is even cheaper this week at sixty three hundred on DraftKings. So I think as I look at at the Rams receivers, I'm mm-hmm. kind of just cherry picking whoever's the cheapest right now. And since Cups the low man in the DraftKings pricing. I think he's the direction I would go, which maybe makes him a little bit chalky. But when I use Cooper Cup, I tend to do it in cash games anyway, so I'm not really worried about that ownership rate.
1: Yeah, I, I really like Brandon Cooks in tournaments this week for the reason you, st- you stated. I think the people are going to go and They're going to look at, you know, oh, Cups cheaper, Woods is cheaper. Uh, I like how involved Brandon Cooks is. They're clearly using him really well. McVay's using him so much better than Belichick did last year. Uh, he's got at least uh, eight targets in every game. He had seven catches in each of the last three games. and You get the ball in Brandon Cooks' hands good stuff's gonna happen and they're not just exclusively using him on the you know last year the Patriots kind of just hit him deep on 50 yard plays and trying to look for the bombs they're using him underneath they're getting him open in space he had 116 yards in a touchdown last week uh, I love Brandon Cooks this week in tournaments I think I agree with you on cup in cash games but if I'm gonna play a guy in GBP uh, it's gonna be Brandon Cooks he's 7800 on Fandu, so he's almost in that range he's gonna fall through and I don't think anybody's gonna play him with all the expensive good plays we've already discussed uh, I love Brandon Cooks if you want to get a low percentage tournament guy with a lot of upside
2: yeah, he's on track for like 104 catches. He's got Oof. nine catches out of 26 that have gone for 20 plus already. 13.7 yards per target for Brandon it. Cooks. Insane.
1: Yeah, and then you, we we talk about uh, the receivers and, and and Goff, I mean, do you want to play Goff at 8,000 on FanDuel? Or you just think you kind of go with the with the Ryan Roethlisberger guys in the same range instead.
2: Yeah, I think you just look elsewhere. I think you're getting enough distribution of ownership on the mid-tier quarterbacks that are in great matchups that you want to go ahead and go after those guys cuz I just don't see Seattle's offense putting up enough points to force Goff to throw the ball a ton this week. I think it's more of a, a girly week uh, if you're looking for how the the base game script is going to go. You can go girly. He might actually be low on because of the other games, too, which is kind of weird. Um, or you can just take one shot with one of those pass catchers like we talked about.
1: Yeah, I think is interesting too. I, I like that. You know, I, I do like games that they are a little closer because they use him in the passing game a lot. But uh, I think they're going to win this game. I think they're going to cover the spread, you know, even on the road. That's a, that's a tough ask in Seattle. But I think they're just such a better team, the Seahawks, right now. Uh, I think you might get a lot of Todd Gurley uses in the second half. And like you said, it's gonna be it's gonna be lower percent than usual just because of all the other games that people are really stacking and interested in. He's ninety one hundred on FanDuel. That price is probably to keep some people away. Uh, a ton of upside, obviously, with Gurley. That goes without saying, but I think he, he slides through at a pretty good percentage this week. And I think he's an interesting play if you can find a way to fit him.
2: Yeah, it's that's going to be the problem for everybody, and that's that's why he becomes kind of sneaky.
1: Yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's good. I like. I like. I like, I'm gonna try and figure out a way to get him or Gordon in a lot of lineups. I think that uh, people are gonna look for the cheaper receiver or wide running backs this week because of all the expensive wide receivers that have great matchups. I think getting Gurley or Gordon in your lineups is gonna be a really, a really good way to win, especially in a cash lineup.
2: So T.J. Yeldon is probably at running back. One of the easiest ways to free up some of the cash, like you yep. use Yeldon for one spot, and then maybe you can pay up for Gurley or Gordon for the other. And then if you're doing that, you're probably trying to save money either at tight end or receiver as well, if not even going cheap at quarterback, too. But it's doable.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll move a lot lot of different ways in tournaments. But I think in a cash game, it's going to be Yeldon and then one of Gurley or Gordon for me.
2: I like that combo.
1: Cool. Anybody else that uh, you want to talk about? We kind of hit every game pretty in-depth. There's a lot of interesting games this week. I would say more than usual of games that, uh, you know, the high over-unders and really intriguing matchups that, uh, you know, the the Pittsburgh-Atlanta game jumps out and the Jacksonville-Kansas City game is super interesting and and some other fun games too. But anybody else that uh, you want to discuss before I let you get out of here to go watch the Brewers game?
2: I think we covered pretty much everything that we wanted to cover. And I think the only player we didn't talk about in the Steelers-Falcons game that – I do kind of like this week is James Conner. I think with the, the problems the Falcons are having against the run, I know the, the output since week one has been a little bit lighter than expected. The price has been ticking up on Conner. He's 7500 on DraftKings. He's 7800 on FanDuel. I actually like him in cash games and GPPs because I just don't think the ownership rate is going to be that high. And if there's going to be 30 points on the board from that Steelers offense, Conner's probably involved in some capacity.
1: Yeah, I like that play too. I think the the ownership's gonna be on the on the on the Steelers passing game. So I think that uh, Connor slides through pretty well, especially how uh, he's lost some effectiveness after after since week one.
2: Right. His window to start, it's about two more weeks. They get the bye, and then Le'Veon Bell could be back or is likely to be back. So uh, he probably is gonna go ahead and just empty the tank here and prove to the Steelers that once Bell moves on to the season that he's going to be their starter next year.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. He's got this window to really really show something, and he's he's a big a guy that, that's going to step up in that kind of spot like he did week one. So, anyway, thanks everybody for listening to the Rotowire NFL DFS podcast for week five. Again, you can hit us up on Twitter. I am at Scott Genstead. Derek is at Derek Van Riper. Uh, follow there. We, you know, we may have some some late uh, late ads to play. On, on. So, thanks everybody for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Podcast uh, DFS Fantasy Podcast for week five. Again, we will be at you uh, next week for week six. I hope everybody has a great fantasy week. Take care.